Hi, and welcome to the Alliance of Survivor Game Podcast. I'm Ryan, the host slash game runner of Alliance. Today, I'm joined by Meg to talk about the production side of our seventh season, Nexus Park. Welcome to the Nexus Park podcast episode. I am joined by the lovely Meg. Hi. Hi. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm good. That's good. You ready to talk about the season? Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, jeez, uh, we've had thousands of minutes of interviews for the season already. Uh, it has been a long... A long interview process. Like, it started bef- around Suruwali. It was the Suruwali off-season. Spilled over into the Hidden City off-season. And uh, just finally finished not that long ago. And uh, almost done. <laughs> almost put Nexus Park to bed. That'll be somewhat of a relief. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, we have a bunch of questions that were sent to us from members of the community to talk about we have uh just a lot to get through i suppose so we're going to start off with a question i don't think we've ever started off with a question before no i don't not that i remember i don't know i don't remember anything so uh well generally the first place i'd want to start is the inception of the season where how it was created and all that sort of thing and bird has sent us one or two questions, in fact, about the very thing that that is. So, Bird's first question that we'll answer is, why is it set in the future? So, Nexus Park is uh, set in 2057, uh, which is currently 34 years away from right now, as we're recording this, and 36 years away from when it aired, when it happened in 2021. And I did some digging into the high seas server when we first discussed the theming and i ended up boiling things down a little bit to i I was looking at the previous six seasons at that time discordia through high seas and trying to find out what major features those seasons had so that we could go in a completely different direction for nexus park um so you know we'd done two seasons on an island a desert a ship a mountain, a forest, and we, so one of the things we wanted to do was a place with people, <laughs> or a place with, like, bustling activity with, you know, obviously Nexus Park itself doesn't have a lot of people in it, it's robots, but the other thing was that we'd had seasons that were obviously rooted in the present, and then we had a couple of seasons that had strong ties to the past in both High Seas and Mojo Desert, um, the history of King Yulbren in Mojo Desert, very much historical in nature. The uh, a lot of the details and, and things surrounding high seas, the piracy, the um, the the captain's logs, all rooted in the past. And so I thought it would be interesting. I think it was me um, to look towards the future and try to figure something out that would take place there. Do you remember any of that conversation? No. No. <laughs> okay. Because um, what season was this, numerically? Seven. 
because I think it was around here I started thinking about Academy. It was either around here or the next season. And it was probably around here. Yeah. <laughs> as we'll get to. Yeah, so I think I continuously started thinking of ideas for that. And you had to keep being like, we have seasons in between that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> so helpful. I think I just wanted... I cared about the robots. And I think that was about the extent of... I'm not... From the production side of things, I'm not super involved in the planning a lot of the times. More so as just a... In the nicest way possible, I don't care. <laughs> not that I don't care, but, like, I will respond to other people's ideas. But I'm not as much a, like, I think we should do this. I think we should do that as a overarching theme. It's more so other people will suggest things, and I'll either be like, that sounds like fun, or <laughs> ignore it. So. <laughs> so helpful. So helpful. <laughs> uh, planning is not my strong suit. I am a... Uh, a uh, bouncing board for ideas, kind of, I guess, more so than anything else. Sounding board. Sounding board, yes. Yeah. Bouncing board. Bouncing board sounds more fun than a sounding board. <laughs> um, but, so yeah, so I remember some about the robots and that sort of thing, and that's about it. I had had uh, the idea prior to this conversation when it happened in, in the production channels about the Neuralink, what would become the Neuralink Advantage. Uh, I'm not sure where I got the idea from. I don't know that it was wholly mine originally or if I got it from some other place um, prior. But I feel like you were sort of inspired by the cobwebs in that you liked the idea of talking across the tribes. And I don't know if it was like an offshoot of that, like a way to kind of use a similar idea to where people could talk to each other. Because this was, was this the non-swap season? Yes. Yeah, so I think that was part of it, as we were looking for ways to get the tribes to interact, since we weren't swapping them. Well, I don't know that we had thought that far ahead yeah. at the time. Because um, I think when I originally posted the idea in like the HQ, it was just, this would be cool to do sometime. I don't know when, but like, <laughs> here's the idea. And when we were going through kind of the seasons leading up to and including high seas, it's like we haven't really touched on the future. There's nothing that says we couldn't go to the future. And after the, <laughs> there was definitely some disagreement about what we would be doing in the future. Um, there was uh, some pushback against uh, anything that felt very steampunky. Clever did not want to do steampunk as a theme, um, I remember. And uh, I think even for a while, we had a completely different theme in mind for what season seven was going to be. I think there was a different theme that gained more traction that we still have not used, so I won't say what it is now. Um, but ultimately, we, found, we, we figured out we'd do something a little more high-tech, but not like 17,000 years into the future or something that ridiculous. And so uh, it was Clever who suggested it would be a, it'd be a theme park, a futuristic theme park. And to that end, like you can just put the word futuristic in front of anything and it would have fit 
futuristic dinosaurs, futuristic <laughs> rainforest. Like, those were all things that were mentioned at one point or another. And I'm intrigued by futuristic and dinosaurs going together. <laughs> it's just robotic dinosaurs. Yeah. They're like, I don't know, cyborg dinosaurs. Okay. Sure. Um, this is why I'm space not dinosaurs. In the I don't know. Um, oh no, not the space dinosaurs. <laughs> we also knew the season was going to be taking place in the fall, so uh, there was consideration of it being a little having scary or horror elements to it. Uh, I think I proposed the idea of a laboratory um, cloning AI uh, mutations, that sort of thing, and obviously the laboratory kind of stuck, and so there was that kind of came together of like, okay, we're setting this in the future theme park. Uh, and then finally it was just a matter of like, well, how far in the future? Um, this wasn't, I don't know. We've kind of uh, answering a lot more of a question than bird really asked in this moment. <laughs> but, uh, my thought was we only had two options when determining how far into the future to go. It either had to be in the near, near enough that we could realistically live to see the year we used so that, in the year that this takes place, if this is all still happening, we can <laughs> do something about it, whatever that might be. Or it had to be so far into the future that there's no chance anyone playing or hosting or watching will ever be alive. So, like, those were my my thoughts were, I don't want it to be a case where, like, one lone person, <laughs> like, uh, you know, like SMM could, like, his crotchety old ass could still be alive while every, everyone else is dead or something banjo and um, smm gossiping about us in the old folks home something like that so clever suggested 2050 because it was 29 years after the year we were doing it insert shocked barbie face here <laughs> and uh which i i think everyone was fine with I then thought, though, that like we should probably have the number seven in the year somewhere, since it was our seventh season. Um, to which Clever pointed out that two plus five equals seven, uh, 2050. But it wasn't enough for me, I guess. I think like that's not something you're going to pick up on without somebody telling you, probably. So um, we ended up with 2057. So that's, that's why and how far into the future... Nexus Park was set. I feel like 2057 is more aesthetically pleasing than 2050, so I approve of this change. Alright, good to know. Yes, otherwise we'd have to go back and just redo the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so dovetailing off of that, another question, uh, multi-part question from Bird. Is Bird the only one who asks us any questions? No. (laughs) It might feel like it for a while, though. Uh, Bird asked, where did the name Nexus Park come from? It seems like other Alliance seasons have, quote-unquote, less specific names that leave room for more ambiguity before the season begins. So was this difference deliberate, and would you do it the same if you are in the season again? So I went back and looked through the production channels, and after we got on the idea of it being a theme park, um, one of the, the very first name suggestion we got was from Clever, which was, something park literally something park and then she went on to suggest nano park and techno park infinity park cyber park uh, quantum land um very much stuck on the park term meanwhile um when i started to figure it out one of the things i do is um i remember i googled different like popular theme park names to kind of see what naming conventions they contained 
uh, I remember I often will like kind of click through thesaurus.com for words that are within the wheelhouse to see if there's anything different or sort of tangential to what we're actually looking for that sounds cool. Um, and somehow I landed on the word nexus and I did kind of the similar thing where I had something nexus and neural nexus, adventure nexus, thrill nexus, I think was another one. And then clever put them together and said nexus park. Um, but we weren't really sold on it at first. It didn't sound right. Um, it felt like Casa House. <laughs> Mojo Dojo Casa House. <laughs> like Alliance Mojo Dojo Casa House. It That's felt, next season. It felt like very similar words that weren't saying anything new if you put them next to each other at first. Uh, and so Clever also suggested that Nexus could be an acronym. Uh we came up with a couple of different acronyms for it. Uh, I say we, it was me and GD who came up with like two or three different acronyms, um, which I don't think we kept that idea because I don't remember. I, I searched both servers. It never came up elsewhere. So we must not have kept that up. But um, so yeah, surprise. It was going to be an acronym for a while. Um, <laughs> the one the one I suggested was Neural Excitement understanding study uh which a long way of saying that they're measuring happiness and testing happiness which is something that carried through to the theme of the season that is part of what was happening in the laboratory uh so um there was also for a while we thought of dropping the park entirely and just calling it nexus if i remember correctly i think i pushed back on that because i did not like how it sounded I still don't like how it sounds. No, uh, I think that's true. Um, I think I was fine with it. I don't think I was um, super against it or super for it. Uh, but like most of the names, like I figured it'll grow on me. I don't know if it would have. I don't feel any stronger or, or about it now than I did then. As I was reading the notes you took over your shoulder while you were talking, I got to that part of the notes. And I'm like, ugh, no. <laughs> So I'm pretty positive. I was like, no, I don't like it. Yeah. Jen, this is also generally how the planning works is I will just ignore everything until something comes up I don't like. And then I'll be like, I don't want to do that. Uh, I think and when I was looking back, the first person to actually comment about it was GD, who felt like we needed to have Park in the title um, just to make sure it retained enough of this sort of like amusement park theme park appeal just from a naming standpoint when for applications and things like that uh so um we did nexus park kept yeah it. i think that makes sense yeah uh, nexus park sounds more theme parky just nexus sounds like a bad right. sci-fi movie <laughs> yes <laughs> and so as far as like the name in relation to other names we've done so you think about something a little more generic like espionage academy summit hidden city um very much names that you don't like you know the, how, how much they actually reflect what's actually going on in those seasons you know your mileage may vary but um definitely names that are easy to understand from the outside if you haven't been spectating and watching seasons up to this point if you don't have any idea what alliance is and in that sense like that's a really nice naming convention that 
you know, worked out really well. And then you have names on the other side of the spectrum, like Invicta or Surawali, where you have no idea what those are until you get into them. Like, they're words we completely made up. Um, they're not even acronyms of something. They, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and, uh, but I think Nexus Park kind of falls in between. Um, it's obviously not something people are going to recognize, but I think the fact that we included the word park goes a long way to making it a little more recognizable as like, oh, okay, it's a park. Obviously, there are a couple of different types of park, but I think like <laughs> you still get the general sense of what's going to take place, how it's kind of going to work um, in that sense. Uh, I do think, so I don't think, I'm, I'm happy with the name. I don't think I would have changed it even if we could go back. Um, I do feel like we there's a world where we could have renamed Invicta, Invicta Games to make it a little more obvious what that was without like doing research or asking somebody. Um, I don't know how he would do that with Suruwali, but who knows? Yeah. So, yeah. Then, um, I guess we can do one more question before we start actually getting into the season itself. Uh, surprise, surprise, this one is from Bird. Um, <laughs> and so it kind of dovetails off the last question a little bit with, when in the season did you expect players to understand the meaning or implication of the word nexus? Um, so Darcy famously, I think, discovers a lot of ways to connect the word nexus to the way we set up the season, the Neuralinks themselves, that sort of stuff. And uh, I don't know that we've ever fully addressed that in the lounges or anywhere, but um, I've gone back and thought about it. I've checked the server. I looked for every message in the production channels with the word nexus in it. I don't think... I, I think Darcy found a better meaning for the name of the season than we ever came up with. <laughs> but Darcy's also, I don't know if she still is, but she writes, or she yep. did write, so yeah. Yep. So I think that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, she had it on her, like, like one of her worksheets or something in school, I think, mm. during the season. Um, for me, like, when I... Like when I when I think back on why we use the word nexus to begin with, like it was meant to reflect it's a futuristic sounding word, season taking place in the future, um, and also like it is representative of how the park is laid out with a very central area and then everything else kind of branching off of that center area, um, both above and below the ground once you're in the laboratory. Uh, the, the sort of the causal link and all the other stuff that comes along comes along with the term never really occurred to me. Uh, wish I could say we had that much foresight and that much, um, and, and were and you know made it that had thought about it that far ahead. But uh, I certainly didn't. I don't know that anyone else did, but not me. Because <laughs> I thought you had come up with the word nexus by like thinking of the neural links and sort of trying to come up with a something kind of related to that and since nexus is a connecting word yeah a word meaning that i kind of feel like i remember that being a discussion at least if it was it was never a discussion on discord right so i don't have any proof that i said those things <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't doesn't ring a bell to me so i'm not sure I think I vaguely remember that, but also a lot of our 
when you and I talk about things, it's generally verbally because... Hi. Hi. Right here. <laughs> yes. So I feel like that could have been a thing. Yeah. Or at least it might have been a, hey, did you see the name of the season that we're talking about? Do you care? And me being like, eh, what do you want to name it that for? And then, like, when you explained it, I might have been like, oh, well, I guess that makes sense with the neural links type of thing. Yeah. But I remember some sort of conversation about that. Okay. If I can take credit for it, sure. Maybe I'll take credit for it. Oh, okay. So, Nexus Park, 2057. Um, at the end of High Seas, uh, we had had conversations about uh, whether Season 7 was going to have any returning players, uh, what the format was going to be like, and ultimately, unlike most of the seasons, um, it felt like we had a lot of people who had planned to play in High Seas or applied to play prior to High Seas happening that were unable to for one reason or another, and... So uh, we knew we had a fair, uh, solid, I think we had like somewhere around 10 to 12 people who would realistically be able to play our next season. And uh, for that reason, I felt like we could, one, have a bigger cast, which we ended up with 18, and two, uh, still do all new people, which for me, as long as we can, I'd rather do that. So um, that made that fairly easy from that standpoint I thought yeah I think it seems like that makes sense yeah that was always sort of the as long as we can grow the community that's more so what we'd like to do rather than you know yeah letting people play who've already played which that's nice and fun and exciting mm -hmm. in and of itself but you sort of it's nice to have a base level of people to choose from <laughs> rather than like you know the same 20 people all trying to play all the time yeah 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 so uh yeah we we cast a lot of people for nexus park that we knew would be big kind of characters um given like the standing they had already from like bird and waxler um it was really great to get people who were related to or connected to people who'd already played already like Steph, Darcy um, and so on we had a lot a very it was one of our most like non he him casts as well which was great Bramble um, Brett's mom um, so like I and I still think the, still think it was one of our better casts um, sans a couple of the early boots who weren't around as much but I think the casting went well um, one of our least uh, concerning <laughs> off seasons from a casting standpoint I guess even though we did have a lot of people who applied last minute which tends to happen but we got the full 18 and uh, that's all that matters yeah I don't, I don't think there was quite as much last minute scrambling or begging to no. get people to drag people in mm -mm. which was nice yeah absolutely <laughs> um you know with the exception of trip like everybody showed up <laughs> um which i guess is is uh, i don't know i don't i think trip uh, obviously we've had other people who 
kind of ghost the season to a certain degree, but none quite like Triv. No. Most people at least kind of appear, make an appearance here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Not him. No. Trip just got lost on the bus on the way in. It's fine. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, I... Um, it was a really exciting season because I felt like we were trying to once we got into actually like talking about the structure of the season the fact that we weren't gonna have any swaps um two tribes of nine uh it was something that like felt very different from the seasons we'd done before uh you know it was the only you know every other season had had swaps every the other season that had two had 18 people was three tribes of six to start with so like we never had tribes this big pre-merge before uh and I felt like it was something, and I felt like the, the, the theme of the amusement park and everything that kind of came with that was something we could do a lot with, um, especially when you combine it with like, oh, it's also the future and there's laboratory. <laughs> um, it gave us a lot of flexibility to kind of make it whatever we wanted to. And I, I liked that from a creative standpoint, absolutely. Shall we talk about other things related to the season's theming and stuff? Sure. Like another bird question. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things um, that's kind of not- notable from the season was every section of the sub-channels had its own bot or person associated with it. And for each of those things, they were based on a person from a previous alumni of Alliance and all of those people lent their voices uh, for some audio clips that we used during the season. And Bird asked, how did you pick who would record the audio? Well, um, I don't, again, so this is the last season of Alliance where I'm missing a lot of key details because it's in my uh, hacked accounts like DMs that I don't have access to. But I was able to learn that the first person that I connected to the season to use their voice was Bread. Um, I forget the context. I had I know at some point I told Bread like, "Hey, um, he." I think he had told me his mom was going to apply, and I was like, "Hey, it'd be really cool if like we used your voice in the season, and your mom would hear your voice in the season. That'd be really neat." And he he was super excited for it. So uh, it only made sense that we put make Bread the voice of the kids section. <laughs> of the theme park um and so he that which ultimately would become uh rugrat realm uh that was the kind of starting point and once we had once i knew that i was like well okay well obviously we have to have somebody for each section of the park now mm-hmm. can't just be bread uh, so uh we also knew so knowing that bram was playing with bread being a voice we also knew waxler had applied even though he had told us not to tell anybody <laughs> particularly Crystal and Cheese, um, reached out to Crystal to do the same thing. Um, that was a little easier to work around because she had just played the other season. So we could just be like, oh, yeah. do you want to do a thing? Like, we know you had fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so she had told me, I think I'd asked, I think I asked the people that we decided to go with, like what their favorite kind of amusement, parks, amusement park rides were. And Crystal had told us that she likes the Tower Drop rides. And so I was like, well, it's kind of like a thrill ride. Um, you can be 
the voice of the thrill ride section of the park, which would eventually be named Intensity. And uh, she was very apprehensive <laughs> about being that <laughs> voice. But, and I think after a couple of iffy tries, uh, she ended up doing a really good job on it. Yes, I think so too. I think yeah. Crystal naturally has a sort of like smaller voice. Yes. So her trying to be like this big, like intense, booming voice yeah, would be like me and my Muppet voice trying to yell, which often doesn't go very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did the same thing with Jess. Uh, she had played in Summit. Um, she close friends with Bird. And um, I don't remember if she told it. I looked through, I couldn't see if she had told us like the types of rides she likes or not. Um, I remember mentioning that I thought she liked horror stuff. So I thought if we had a horror section, um, we could use her voice there. We didn't end up having a horror section. So once when I, I was going through and actually creating the sub channels, it felt like the thing that stuck out and that um, the, the grouping of rides that we ended up with that didn't have a clear person uh, ended up being um, rotation rides, rides that go in a circle, rides that throw you around uh, and rotate. So um, she ended up doing the voice for Jessbot in Rotation Station, and I thought she did a great job. Um, there's one audio clip where she has to say, like, around and around and around, like, five or seven times, and I thought she did a really good job on that, too. Um, uh, we've, let's see... We went back to another another person from High Seas with Flair. Uh, Flair, a fan favorite. Um, not the viewer favorite, but like someone a lot of people enjoyed watching last season. Uh, if she was going to do a voice, uh, there had to be a seagull involved. <laughs> and so that meant she was probably going to be around the food. And then she had had that profile picture at the time with like a person with like a gun, I think, like an animated character she had drawn i believe yeah i think her one of her friends because she had the sort of like eye patch yeah yeah one for a while the like pirate eye patch yeah and so we put her in a in the shifty sector which had all the food and had all the games and so she would like carry on a water pistol and like yell at a seagull and um, that fit together really well <laughs> uh we had a roller coaster section that was a no-brainer nux who played in mojo desert is like the most roller coaster guy ever <laughs> so he quickly was easily that person and in that he's very into roller coasters not that he is like an emotional <laughs> roller coaster no <laughs> um he and i talked a, like he was the most hands-on i think of the voices of the people doing the voices he wrote all of the dialogue for his stuff which i wrote all the dialogue for everyone else that was lent their voice um, which is why Nux, Nuxbot says like seven times as many things as everyone else. <laughs> and uh, he created all the roller coasters. Um, he, uh, I, you know, he and I Skyped for a couple of hours to record everything. Um, <laughs> it was a lot, but it was great. He did a great job and, and couldn't have picked a better person for it. Yes, because he was also a big help with one of the challenges that involved the dynamics yeah. of the roller coaster to make sure it was... Yes. Somewhat accurate. Yes. If yes. you ever want to know anything about roller coasters, or if you don't want to know anything about roller coasters, but you mention them, Nux will tell you all about them. He will appear like Beetlejuice. <laughs> yes. Um, 
So then the last person from a section of the park was uh, Shan. And I don't know why we picked Shan. Um, I, I'm not sure. Oh, for Steph. Because of Steph. Mm-hmm. We picked Shan because of Steph. And so if Shan was going to be in the park, um, we definitely had to have something that was based, like related to a mountain or a Yeti. And so we ultimately, I created a, a ride called the Alpine Slide that Shan would talk about in one of her audio clips about loving the Yeti part of it and something. <laughs> and that ended up turning in, in, uh, turning into Pleasant Plaza. And Shan had a great handle on the sort of calming, natural vibes of Pleasant Plaza. It <laughs> uh, worked out really well. So then that was all done. We had those six. Check. And then... I think at some point later on thought like, well, we know we're going to open up the arcade at the merge, so we should probably have somebody in the arcade. And I think this probably happens every season, but um, we, we've we joked about like you just throwing people out of the season, out of wherever <laughs> they're located, off the boat, out of the whatever, into the ocean, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And so we asked you to voice Megbot. Yes, because I think me and my Jazzy Jeff <laughs> gif that I post however many times a season, uh, I think I had said something like, oh, it'd be really funny if there's like, if there's like a security bot hmm. or like there some something had come up about a security bot at some point. And I'm like, oh, I should be the security bot. <laughs> like, I always just want to throw everybody out. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I guess, of the production members that we had then and still have currently, I'm the one most comfortable talking or, like, doing anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so generally, if... Usually we try and have it be people, you know, viewers or players or whatever, so that more people can participate. And then I'm usually like, if you're desperate for a body, like, I'll do it, it's fine. <laughs> I don't care. Um, But for that, I was like, I want to be the security bot. I think that's really funny. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think it sort of like tied into me guarding sort of the lab. Yeah. Because I think we had started talking about like, okay, well, if somebody gets into the lab, like, is like, is going to set off an alarm? Like, what are we going to do with like that component of it? And I think stuff sort of launched off from there. Yeah. Or like unruly children running around the arcade or like whatever um and then obviously once i was a bot i needed a companion bot i needed rambo bot so we came up with rambo bot my my old cat he got to got to be my robot companion in the future yes (laughs) uh so that covered all the bots and then... I was going to say, too, again, I was looking over your notes, and I was not mentioned anywhere, and I was prepared to be very irritated when we got to the end of the section, and you're like, okay, all done. I'm like, excuse me, you forgot the most important bot, and the second most important bot, Rambo bot being most important. Yes, clearly. <laughs> um, mentioning the lab, so it wouldn't have, it would have felt weird to not have somebody a voice in the lab. Obviously, if you're a voice in the lab, like, there's no robots down there. (laughs) So it needed to be a person representing an actual person. 
Uh, but they're all scientists, and I don't know how many scientists are technically in the community, but there's one person who everyone, I think, points to and thinks of first when they think of a scientist, and that's Brandon, mm -hmm. um, who at this point had only played in Discordia, um, and so he was the clear choice to be the robot, or the, the scientist, <laughs> rather. Um, that one was easy. And then... I don't, the cheese is the hot air balloon voice. I don't think, it was something I kind of thought of last minute. Um, I kind of reached out to him, I think the day before the challenge was going to happen. And I was like, hey, you want to record this like three sentences real quick? And he was like, all right. And so he did. And then we had cheese, uh, the hot air balloon pilot. Because uh, apparently, um, <laughs> I, I think he's an, airplane engineer i think he works on like oh it's military aircraft or helicopters yeah oh, something like that to that effect um i conflate that with literally anything that flies um <laughs> it's... yeah because i remember you're like oh we should get cheese to be the hot air balloon <laughs> pilot voice and i think i was like okay like why and you're like well it flies and i'm like you know that cheese doesn't fly planes right or like helicopter he also doesn't fly the helicopters and you're like it's fine i'm but, sure he knows how to yeah you're like it's close enough and i'm like okay sure <laughs> it's like we don't know any other pilots i don't think so he's got to be the closest yeah not that i don't know yeah. yeah um so yeah those are all the voices uh i did the voice i voiced the um the loudspeaker for the mail that season tree mail that season but i'm not I'm just me. I do that a lot. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So those yeah, are because what you what would you have been at the park? Just I'm just like the automated loudspeaker voice, I guess. The voice of God yelling out through the loudspeaker. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I guess like getting into the season proper, um, we wanted all the challenges to represent the park um be as on theme as possible uh from you know riding a ferris wheel to the space cadet game challenge uh all the different um carnival games that they played the roller coaster challenge the swinging ship the go-karts light cycles as an arcade game bumper balls I think the only thing that wasn't directly ripped out of uh, the, the like an amusement park theme was touchy subjects and Simotion. I don't think the Simotion thing had anything to do with being an amusement park. Um, yeah, yeah, we were like, don't worry about rides. We're just gonna. This is the last challenge. It's you know for final immunity. Everything else was directly tied to the season, and I think worked out pretty well. I would say. Yeah. No complaints. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm most pleased with how Stepping Stones worked as a challenge. It's a challenge from this season that I'd like to come bring back and do again. Um, I think it was really successful uh, and mostly needs some balancing so it's not quite as luck based as it was in this iteration um we got the hall of mirrors challenge i think came from 
started as an idea that we got from Dano, who played, who was the fourth place finisher in high seas. I don't think it was quite exactly how he presented it to me. Again, that's in a DM channel I no longer have access to. Um, but it kind of morphed into the Hall of Mirrors challenge that we ended up using. Um, we brought back a, a challenge from Chattern, which was the carousel, which is basically just um, musical chairs. Um, White Knuckles, the go-kart challenge, uh, is a game I found on a website a long, uh, back before Dark Forest, I think, where it's like a pen and paper game website that I had found. It was like a racing challenge, like game you could play on like a graph paper. And I remember we'd, my first thought for it was to put it in Dark Forest as like a challenge where you're flying on a dragon and you have to like navigate an obstacle course. We ultimately didn't use it. And then when this season came along, I was like, oh, it could be a go-kart track. That's kind of the perfect way to kind of work that in. And uh, the map ended up being huge, <laughs> way too big, which is frustrating because like it needs to be something with enough turns so that you have to like slow down at some point because if it's a straightaway, like that's not very competitive. Um, so, but then like by making it have a lot of turns, you're naturally like extending the size, like enlarging the, the board in that sense. So I don't know that it could have been much shorter. I think eventually... Uh, Cutting it in half <laughs> the way we did was a good choice, and uh, we still only got half of... We only got one of the two tribes to finish. <laughs> anyway. I think I remember I kept, like, coming in and, like, checking, because as with most things, you'll be in our, in the computer room, like, on your desktop, like, running a challenge, and I'll be doing something else mm -hmm. in the other room, and I'll... You know, an hour will pass... An hour and a half, I'll like check on my phone what's happening. I'll come in and be like, how's the challenge going? And you'll be like, <sighs> <laughs> So that was one of those challenges. That was great. It yeah. was great. Uh, it was, it, I think the biggest issue was that, and I think this is true of most of the like challenges and, and things, but like I knew the challenge like the back of my hand. I don't think anyone else in production knew the challenge nearly as well, um, which is my own fault, I guess, or all of our faults, however you want to look at it. Um, and so Jeffrey running the other tribe since they started before, since Mirth started first, I ran Mirth from start to finish. Jeffrey had to start Euphoria like 30 to 60 minutes before Mirth ended, before I could come over and really help. And so, like, you know, he's answering a lot of questions and trying to help everybody as best as he can. And there's just, you know, not that he doesn't know how it works. Jeffrey's a smart guy. Um, but I think just not knowing it quite as well, like, made that whole process just that much, just that little bit slower, but a little bit in, like, every single facet. And so once I was able to once I was free to like come over and help, like I think that was a big boost <laughs> to them, and um, unfortunately not enough to get the challenge finished. But um, yeah, it was it was a big challenge for how to me like straightforward 
<laughs> it, it was supposed to be. Yes, it was um, the Mancala of the season. Yeah. There, well, there's always one that yeah. just spirals out of control somehow that we don't expect it to. It's true. It really is. Um, but no, I think, you know, ever, having talked to so many people in their interviews now, uh, there were quite a few challenges that people were took a while to figure out and didn't understand until it was too late. And I, I don't know. Obviously, I wish everyone was able to pick up on the challenge as quickly as possible, on every challenge that we set up as quickly as possible. But even if you can, even if you understand the rules perfectly, and I think I've even had this conversation last season with, like, Wiki or something, but, like, you only get to play it once. You don't get to, like, practice, you know, go-karts, white knuckles, 15, 20 times before it actually happens in the game, in the game. You get one shot at it, and if it takes you five or six turns to pick it up, and it takes somebody else three or four, they probably beat you. Mm-hmm. And that sucks, but, like, that's just how it works. That's unfortunate. Right. Yeah, because um, the way we do challenges, like, we sort of, generally most of it, we come up with the challenges ourselves, whether they're based off of X, Y, or Z. Yeah. So it's not something like, you know, other orgs where maybe, like, you get to play Tetris. Right. And like, or even like you do a slide puzzle, like one thing I like about um, RP, and I think it's RPO, or other places I've played where it's like, if you do do something like that, they will sort of be like, okay, well you get like half an hour. So it's not like you're sitting there all day, like <laughs> Discordia season one when we were all playing that stupid, like, whatever this emotion game was the balance game for yeah. like 24 straight hours trying to like figure it out well we, we didn't know at that point but like it is nice to be like okay you get like two hours to play this game <laughs> so if you want to like sit there and play it however many times like you at least get a few rounds depending what the game is to sort of get into it or figure it out if you don't know what it was yeah but yeah like here it's just like we're, Here's we're, a game, you haven't played it before, figure it out. We're throwing you in the deep end, and yeah. oftentimes the first person who figures out how to swim wins. Whether it's white knuckles, whether it's bumper balls, whether it's light cycles. Um, all Most of the Google Sheet challenges are, are like that. Stepping stones, you know? Yeah. Uh, much as, like, I've had this conversation with, like, 12 people... But, like, Court, not knowing who she was during the Stepping Stones challenge and still finishing second, like, there's a good chance she wins that challenge if she knew who she was from the start. And, like, I mean, that has absolutely nothing to do with, like, the rules of the challenge or how the challenge itself works. But, like, it's just having any, every additional layer that separates you from the game, whether it's a letter representing you, being on a Google Sheet... And then also inputting your moves in Discord um, and, and a multitude of other things. Like, all that adds up. And, you know, you know, so many people will be happy to tell you that, like, they wish they had another shot at a lot of challenges from their own seasons because they think they, they, they understand it now. They get it now. Right. They didn't when they started playing it. And that's... Right. Or for people who, whose brain works like me... Like, you have the the wikis or the hens or whatever of the world who can think, like, 15 steps ahead. 
mm-hmm. or think like, okay, well, if this scenario happens, I can do X, Y, Z. If this scenario happens, I can do ABC. If this and this, whereas like my brain just does not operate that way. Like I can't look more than like a step or two in the future. Mm-hmm. I'm My brain is much more responsive to things that are happening. So for me, I'm like, okay, this is how things look right now. I'm going to do this thing. And then whatever else happens, I have to be like, okay, this is what's going on now. I'm going to do this thing. Right. Or even just any other type of game. For me, generally, it makes more sense to me running through it than... And we had this discussion, so... um, This is going to come out in a few weeks, but as of when we're recording it, a week ago, I found out I have ADHD, inattentive version, which makes, like, verbal processing very hard because I zone tend to zone out if somebody's telling me how to do something. Yes. Um, or, like, I'm very like, okay, you need to tell me each step one at a time type of thing. Or, like, I need to do... When I'm doing things, I need to do it, like, this piece, and then the piece after, and then the piece after. Like, very structured and in order. So, I, you know, I think it's just sort of a... Like, there's a very big difference between you and I, like, when we're learning how to play a game. Mm -hmm. Or even, like, of a game that you already kind of understand, and then telling me about it. Like, you'll go through the rule book and be like, oh, da-da-da-da-da-da, and you'd, like, get it. Whereas me, you'll, like, read me the rules, and I'll be like, okay. So then, so, on this turn, I'm gonna do this. And you're like, yes. I'm like, okay. Then we'll go to the next section, and you'll, like start to go and I'll be like wait so then if this happens I do this and you're like okay so like just sort of the way my brain processes information compared to yours or like whatever like that's just a thing in challenges of you know everybody's a little different yeah and the hopes are that you know there's some kind of challenge that clicks with each person right you know like, or not everybody's going to get like like there's and you you absolutely know this like as soon as any challenge involves math or like any sort of complex equation and you start trying to tell me about it i'm just like i'm out like <laughs> i don't want anything to do with it <laughs> but like that's very i'm always very much like that's like a you and jeffrey challenge like right you know whereas like other like touchy subjects is one i like like, you know, it very much depends on what the challenge is. If it's like, you know, um, the maze, I think, in was it Academy mm-hmm. had a maze, like something like that, where it's like, okay, like this comes up and you have like four options, right? Like stuff like that. Fine. <laughs> but yeah, if it's like, okay, well, like, you know, on your turn, you're going to be able to do like X, Y, or Z. And then like, when that happens, then it leads to, like, this, and then in this scenario, we balanced it so that <laughs> each tribe has, like, this equal opportunity to do blah, blah, whatever, and it just turns into this big thing, and my brain's just like, mm, no thank you, I stopped listening five minutes ago. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Yeah. That just happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay. Really- There'll be medicine for that soon, I think. Hopefully. Soon I will be the wizard of all of the math challenges. Mm. No, probably not. I'm still not going to care. 
Um, so Tangent yeah. one. Chal- challenges were great. Challenges were good. Uh, I guess we can touch on the advantages. Um, we had an immunity idol. Easy peasy. Uh, the lab one that Waxler ends up finding. Um, I think when you look at a season's structure and particularly like how the subchannels are laid out, even going immediately back to Hidden City, where the hi- the Hidden City itself, kind of important, um, <laughs> kind of like the focal point of the season. And, and that season, you knew it from the start. And so when it's found, like, you know, at final five, I think, like, basically too late. Because, like, obviously that's where the idol was. And if you look at the structure of a season in Nexus Park, like the thing, the big thing was the lab. So the idol was hidden in the lab. And that's kind of how it usually works. And as I say this, knowing everyone's going to hear it, like we're obviously going to subvert your expectations from here on out. (laughs) So the idols uh, are just going to be laying in camp day one, (laughs) stroll into it. You see an idol on the ground. Uh, so that was easy. Um, we had the neural links. Uh, those were going to be super easy to find. Heart, not even cascades, um, which ended up working out. We knew we had to restrict them from a standpoint of like we didn't want one person to have multiple. We had to figure out what we we're going to do if somebody had one and somebody else used one to them and like all that kind of thing. Could they be transferred and all that kind of stuff? Um, I like how we ultimately handled it. I don't think we wanted. 10 neural links or whatever uh i guess you could only have nine or six i guess max but i think we ended up with three that were actually used and i think that's reasonable uh would have been more if the recipients of the first two had not or recipients of two of them had not been waxler and bird who had one of their own but neither here nor there uh then we had the huge arcade plushies with like a bunch of different advantages in there so we had two half idols uh that could be combined to a full idol uh which was different than the half idols in summit which had which functioned individually i don't think the ones this season functioned individually when i think about it but i'm gonna double check that (laughs) um because i could be wrong that's not it uh, I don't know where it is. It's maybe in Bird's sub-confessional. Hi, Bird. It's not. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not going to spend the time to look for it up. Ah, look it up. I don't think it was, but um, even if it was, it doesn't really matter. Uh, additionally, in the plushies, we had a bunch of information. We had Bird's advantage, which was re- getting to know a couple of votes at Tribal Council before you could before you had to cast your own. Um, and it's... Those are the types of advantages I wish we could make more of and use a lot more often because they, on their surface, they're they're not that powerful. I don't think you're often going to be able to use that advantage and it's going to change the course of the game. But it could. And if you use it correctly or if you get a little bit lucky, um, it can be super impactful. And I think those types of advantages are really strong. Like an idol is always going to work. Like, even if it's not played correctly, you know when you use it, you're not getting voted out. Because, like, spoiler, we're not making idle nullifiers. <laughs> it's a dumb <laughs> advantage. Um, 
But something like just getting to know two votes as they are cast at tribal council, like it's one of those things where like it's it's all about when you use it at what tribal. It, you have no idea whose votes they're gonna be. So like you might expect this person's getting voted out, and then you get votes that make you think that, but they're not from the people you think they are, and something different happens. Or you could see two names that are not at all what you expected. They could be your names. <laughs> Um, I think that's really interesting sort of it's not a very powerful advantage but uh, I think in the right player's hands it can be used effectively and I think the same is true of the advantage that Bramblecat ends up with which did not get used which was the ability to ask production whether or not a specific player had an active advantage in their possession um, unfortunately, the only person Bramblecat cared about was Bird. Uh, so, and then they knew that Bird had such and such thing, so like it kind of nullified it. Um, or I think the same thing with Waxler. They knew Waxler had uh, the goggles, and so they couldn't use that question to determine whether or not Waxler had the idol. So again, another advantage where like in the right circumstances it can do a lot, and in other circumstances it's almost useless. Um, which very similar to the goggles, <laughs> very similar to the glasses, then goggles that Bird and Waxler found that gave them an hour of DM history or channel history from a specific channel that they did not have access to and both used it. I don't think either of them got like, it didn't change their game. I think, uh, Bird got like the end of a conversation and then Chaco went off to like grocery shopping um so again it's very hit or miss we'd used a an advantage similar to that in mojo desert with lurker which uh, it's a weird history to that because like lurker used it and it kind of confirmed information that he knew but wasn't supposed to have when he saw it in key events but it at least allowed him to start talking about that information in the game which i think helped so like if he had never seen the key events channel um it would have been i guess technically more helpful from an information standpoint but like guess it accomplishes the same thing um, so i like those advantages i think they're interesting and again another thing where like the savvy the savvier you are the more effective they can be i think that's everything what was the question <laughs> i was just talking about all the advantages from the oh. season uh, yeah because i think the thing with the arcade came up because you had said um you know, you want it. Because I think in the different areas, you could ride the rides or some of the rides mm -hmm. type of thing. So we're trying to think of, like, well, what can you do when you go to the arcade? And yeah. trying to come up with some sort of game that they could play when they win the arcade. And I was like, it'd be fun if, like, you know, like an actual arcade, if you win tickets or whatever, yeah. you can get a prize. And so then we were trying to figure out, like, oh, it'd be cool if we hid stuff in the prizes, but since, um, what was the name of the game? Skee-Ball. Skee-Ball. Since we had Skee-Ball, Skee-Ball's sort of luck-based. Yeah. Like, you know, you can pick where you want to aim your ball at, but, like, it's a bot. It's just, you know, gonna do whatever. Right. So we didn't want it to be like, oh, you know, the the bot gave you good good points, so here's your idol type of thing like so that's one of the ways that we tried to come up with advantages that weren't so 
big, but that still, like, got people to... Because also, I think we wanted people to play the game, since we had taken the time to set it up, not knowing that that's all the players want to do, (laughs) is go to the arcade and play skee-ball. Absolutely. And, like, would basically, like, sit there and take turns. Yeah. Like... Okay, well, I played, so, like, you five waiting in line for your turn to play skee-ball, like, you can go ahead now. Mm-hmm. But I- I'm glad, at least, that everybody liked it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we had the... We brought back the immunity blessing, which was something that, that was found on the hot air balloon ride. Uh, we'd used that in Dark Forest. Um... Uh, I don't know, after the second time of using it, at least in the same way we used it in Dark Forest, where a group of people find it, they all have to vote simultaneously for somebody to get it. Even In Dark Forest, it was even people who weren't quite as aligned as the, as the peop, as uh, Bram and Bird and Darcy were here. Um, I haven't been super thrilled by, its, by it in execution. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like if we bring back the uh, immunity blessing, it'd have to be in a different format something different surrounding it the next time yeah and then we had the tribal council tickets um which were based on an idea you had where we had wanted something that i think was a little more live that we could drop on the players and but not so substantial that if you weren't online at the time it wasn't a huge detriment if you missed out on it. And so in this case, it was like, well, we're going to hide three tickets to the other tribe's tribal council. You've got until, you know, you've got like four hours to find it. Good luck. And it was like, oh my God. <laughs> and so like these things, they weren't hidden very hard. It was very similar to the neural links where like you found one instigating command and then the next command was like, that's the thing. So I think those worked out really well. Um, I think we could do something similar to that again, but that was yeah. a good idea. Thanks. I always like when you're like, oh, you thought of this. And I'm like, I did. <laughs> good for me. Yes. <laughs> you did. Um, all right. So we have a couple more questions here. Uh, we're going to pick up with another bird question. <laughs> bird asked, what is your favorite ride? And I don't know if they meant ever, like in real life. Uh, I assumed they meant from Nexus Park. And I don't know if it would be something like that I liked or if I'm supposed to interpret it like the one favorite ride in, by design or to actually ride. Anyway, from a design standpoint, uh, I really like um, the Magnetron roller coaster. Uh, I like what Nux did when he created it, the way it innovates and you know, isn't something that exists, uh, which is all the more enticing. Um, I like three wide, the triple dueling coasters. Uh, I think that's really cool. And I created Discus, which I don't know if a ride like that actually exists. It feels like it's so much more to put it together and set it up. It feels like it's not worth the effort um, in real life. But maybe one something like that is a thing. I think I'm sure I modeled it after something, maybe tweaked the details. But um, I like the way it works. Um, And I think it'd be interesting to see it in practice uh as far as real life um gosh i haven't ridden a ride in forever it's been a long long time um i've always enjoyed roller coasters and um i really i used to like the like 
anything that rotated a lot, but I don't know if my stomach can't really handle that stuff as well anymore. Oh, do you get sick I get a little it? queasy. Oh, interesting. But I didn't used to. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's just like not doing it for forever and then like the last time I did it, it did not go well or if that was more of a one-off thing. I'm not sure. Um, so as I am known for... Um, I also tend to mute all of the sub-channels along with the um, DMs between people on the server just because the sub-channels tend to just turn into people spamming commands looking for stuff, which, like, I don't need all those notifications in my life. Um, and much like the DMs, if something interesting is happening, either somebody in the lounge is going to say something about it or Ryan is, so, like, I don't need to have those channels active. Um... So I don't really remember a lot of the rides because I didn't read about them. Um, I do know that the three-wide coaster that Nux made was modeled after, like, NASCAR or named after NASCAR. So, like, I thought that was cute. Um, I, like, I just wanted to hang out in my arcade with my cat, really. <laughs> Perfectly <laughs> and, acceptable. And play games. Um, in real life, I get really bad motion sickness so i'm not much of a ride girl um even if i take like dramamine knowing that mm -hmm. it's gonna have i can basically do one and then like i'm sort of dizzy and headachey and whatever um i used to like the teacups even though like you'd think that would make me sick they're very spinny but when i was younger i liked those um I've ridden roller coasters. Mm -hmm. um, they're fine. I don't really like heights. I don't like heights and I get motion sick, so like they're not the <laughs> ride for me. No. But um, I like the exhilaration of it, I guess, of when it's done. Um, I don't mind like Ferris wheels or rides like that as long as like the person I'm with does not rock the thing. Like that is very like. I will have, like, I will absolute panic if, like, somebody starts, like, screwing around with that sort of thing. No, thank um, you. If it's just sitting still, like, even if the Ferris wheel stopped and I was at the top of it, like, that wouldn't bother me as much. Mm -hmm. I can sort of look around. That would be fine. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of rides, really. I'm just not into them because I can't really ride them. <laughs> Makes <laughs> sense. They're just going to make, make me sick. I used to like the merry-go-round. That doesn't go fast enough where I'm going to vomit on everybody, so that's good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like other rides, if there's any other rides I like. Bumper cars? How do you feel? Um, I've only ever done bumper cars once. I don't mind them. Yeah. I think that'd be fine. Um, I probably used to like water slides, but I had a very, 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 very bad experience on one. Oh, no. Um, and now I'm terrified of them. I went to, I don't know if it was Darien Lake or, like, something like that, and it was one where you're supposed to, like, slide down the, you know, slide on Yourself? a mat or uh -oh. something, some kind of mat or, like, tube or whatever, probably a tube, and um, the slide was, like, covered for the most part, mm -hmm. and I remember, I don't know if I, like, was not heavy enough or, like, what the issue is, but I just remember the tube going, like, way up the sides of the slide, and every now and then there'd be an open spot. Yeah. And I remember, like, at one point, I slid right up toward the open spot, and I got so close to it that I just absolutely panicked. Like, I lost the tube, 
I was, like, trying to slow myself down. Like, I just, it was bad. Like, in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna come flying out of this, like, fucking slide and die. <laughs> so, like, never again. Mm. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Bird Bird has triggered me with this question. Oh, no. <laughs> Your hated one. This is why Bird is my hated one. They just <laughs> want me to vomit and get dead on rides. <sighs> well, uh, we do have a question from somebody who's not Bird. Maybe that'll help. Uh, Hirsch asked, were any of the mechanics you placed in the game utilized in ways you hadn't anticipated? Um... Short answer, no. Uh, I don't think any of the actual mechanisms involved. Uh, I mean, it's it's tough to, like... Because anything that revolves around, like, the subchannels, like, we created it, so we know exactly what they're capable of 99 times out of 100. So that mostly leaves, like, advantages and things. Um, and I don't think that really happened this season. I guess I would say that as far as like, I don't know if this is necessarily a mechanic, but like Meg had said earlier, everyone loved skee-ball. <laughs> they were waiting in line uh, for for hours at a time even to, to play skee-ball over and over and over again. And that was not something I thought was going to happen. It basically turned the arcade for like a week or so uh, into Camp 2 for the Merge Tribe. Like, yeah. more more as many, most people were in there at, at every waking minute so um, yeah generally if you were looking for somebody just go look in the arcade they're probably playing skee-ball yeah uh that that was a bit of a surprise um i didn't expect that but because yeah. i think the neurolinks worked how we anticipated maybe some of the links people made were maybe yeah. not ones we would expect or like some of the people who didn't really like use them that much but I mean, people found them. They use them to talk to the other people, which is what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, so. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, Bird, Bird asks... Oh, no. Were you really going to let the numbers get down to eight versus three at the merge if one tribe lost all the challenges besides White Knuckles? So we started with 18, two tribes of nine. Uh, there was one white knuckles challenge was an individual challenge that both tribes are going to attend tribal for so if one if one tribe had lost every other challenge um they would have gone into the merge with three people uh to the other tribes eight uh that's not what happened we ended up with a six five split uh as close as it could have been which was great but yeah i mean i think like like is kind of the case like we don't change the structure of the season during the season we set it up in a specific way and every challenge is set up and prepared for every potential numeric outcome as far as people on each tribe is concerned and in this case yeah it's absolutely possible that it could have been eight to three um and i think that's very scary um i think it was said in a couple of interviews that you know if mirth had had to vote somebody else out when they had five people left it almost but you know almost guaranteed would have been court if they had to vote somebody else out out after that i assume it would have been smm leaving just the pta trio 
uh, at three, which in that instance kind of is fine for them since like they were a tight three from the start. But like if you have a tight four and you get down to three pre-merge, like that sucks. <laughs> um, but that's what would have happened. And I think especially like watching Survivor and just my general feelings about the way orgs and people who play orgs handle challenges like it's important to win challenges <laughs> i think it and like it should be you should be punished if you lose a lot of challenges or if you're really bad at them or if you don't care about them um and that's not always going to be the case every season like you know maybe like last season we had a swap and it was never really something that um could be that incredibly lopsided but i think every once in a while it's a good thing to put that kind of fear into the players <laughs> and uh you know let them know that there's not always going to be a safety net to catch you if you're just awful at challenges or fine at challenges and just a little unlucky or if you're uh, the other team has like five wikis on it or something oh no <laughs> <laughs> like you know that's challenges are important and that's kind of reflected in, in I think more so in the pre-merge than anywhere else yeah one <clears> thing <throat> that hopefully helps is that especially pre-merge most of the challenges are based around a group so hopefully at some point the you know working together or the type of challenge it is you know there's going to be some sort of balance of the other team winning something sometime yeah not guaranteed but you know it is a bummer if everybody's trying and they just keep losing but what are you gonna do sometimes that happens yeah i guess the the other sort of saving grace this season was uh if it had been an 8-3 scenario like all three of those people could have a neural link with somebody like just because you're down eight to three numerically does not mean you were down eight to three in terms of allies when you get to the merge. Um, if those three people have three people on the other side that they're working with, that's six and that's a majority. So it was not dire in exactly, but it still would have been not so great. Yeah. Cause, um, and like, besides just the fact that you like kind of the cross tribe, communication component yeah. no matter necessarily what the setup of the season is um but i think like in a season like that where there are no swaps so there is a possibility that like one tribe's just gonna keep losing stuff um that at least they do have the opportunity to talk to other people on the other tribe so that you know at merge there is an opportunity to get in with the other people and it's not just an easy like well i don't really know these people i don't <laughs> necessarily like everybody on my tribe but at least if i vote out these couple other people and then we can start voting out the bottom people of our tribe like i'm just gonna do that yeah so yeah at least if you have a reason to want to work with the other people that show up at the merge even if there's a minority of them Mm -hmm. you're you're not out of the game till you get voted out absolutely so uh, another Hirsch question. <clears throat> Did any attractions, advantages, hidden idols go unfound? Uh, I don't have that information like 
perfectly, at least as far as like the um, attractions are concerned. So, but as far as I remember, I don't think any of the attractions went unfound. I think everybody knew that, found them, or somebody found everything. Um, I'm sure one or two things were missed out on, but nothing that I noticed was super substantial. Probably, um, yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, as far as advantages and idols, um, the only thing we put into the game that I think went unfound was the third ticket for the Mirth Tribal Council, since only Darcy and Spenjamin were there to watch that. Um, I did find uh, in in the production channels that we had talked about a, uh, an advantage for the Haunted Hotel Challenge that would let you skip um, a specific section of it or something to that effect. Uh, that was not used and wasn't put in the game. Uh, so did not end up happening to be found in the first place, as far as I can tell. Our next question comes from another person, a different person, a new person. This one comes from SMM, who played this season, like Bird. Uh, he was the first member of our jury. He asked, is there anything you wish you saw but didn't in the season? And my answer my, my gut answer to this is to have somebody take a shot at Bird. Um, I wanted that all season. Uh, it didn't matter if they got voted out or not. Like, they could still win the season. Like, that's fine. But um, I, as a viewer of Survivor and as a host of Alliance, it is much more satisfying to me to see everyone have to survive some sort of dangerous moment in a game. Um, and... I think, you know, that becomes far more important when you play a game the way Bird did, where you were literally pointed out as the most powerful person multiple times during the season, and still nobody did anything. And I'm sure if you asked Bird, they would say that there were many moments during the season where they were concerned or worried about things, but as the person who could see what everyone else was thinking, like... I never felt like Bird was in any danger. And that was frustrating um, from that side of things. Uh, I think Steph was in a kind of similar situation where she was never the most powerful player in the game. And by not being in any, having any real power for most of the game, no one targeted her. And so I don't love that either, but it's not quite as. Um, I, I mean, I would like to see how she would have handled the knowledge of like people targeting her, but it wasn't quite as important. I, I would have rather see somebody target Bird before I would have seen somebody target Steph, I guess, if I had to rank my things. Yeah. As someone who has uh, been in that situation before and has uh, angered the hosts of games I've played due to people's lack of interest in getting rid of me, <laughs> Even when I'm uh, doing pretty pretty well for myself, uh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> you know, uh, from the outside, I think it's easy to tell like if somebody's in a good position. Generally, less so in the game. The person in the good position probably is aware, but you know, if other people aren't talking to each other about like 
oh, hey, Bird's my number one. And it's like, no, wait, Bird, I'm supposed to be Bird's number one. Like, you sort of had Jordan and Darcy fighting over Bird early in the game, but then, like, instead of ganging up against Bird, they just sort of targeted each other to try and get rid of the other one. So they could be Bird's specialist, special friend. (laughs) Um, Which seemed kind of silly in retrospect. Like, I've played that way before sometimes of like, okay, well, I like this person. This person likes me, which means this other person over here is a problem and needs to go. Mm. A sort of uh, cutting off other people at the knees. If I feel like someone else is going to get more power... I guess by taking, by giving that other person options. But like, I, and I, if they're stuck with me, <laughs> they're stuck with me. I feel like that can work, but I feel like that works better when you are the person in Bird's position than it does when you're the person in Jordan or Darcy's position. Right. Um, which, you know, like you said, they don't necessarily know which position they're in at any given moment as clearly as we do from the outside. Mm-hmm. But... No, that's that's a good point. Yeah, because, for example, in RPO, Dob. Dob was my person. Mm-hmm. All anybody wanted to do was get rid of Dob. <laughs> like, every other person around me. And I'm like, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> so, instead of, I would do my best to get rid of other people's secondary people before they got mine. Mm-hmm. Right. And it worked. Yeah. So, you know. It happens, but yeah. yeah. And I don't. I guess I don't know. From being in that position, I don't get as frustrated about it as other. I know other people do. Like I know people felt the same way about like Brandon and Academy. Like, why doesn't anybody try and get rid of Brandon? And I think there there was a. It wasn't quite there, the same. Yeah. yeah, there was more attempts. Like he needed the perfect array of advantages to survive yeah. the multiple attempts on his game which he did and you know i didn't leave academy with the same taste in my mouth yeah regarding brandon's quote-unquote dominance as i did with bird's dominance here yeah but it's always one of those things when like i feel like people complain if somebody's playing like a really good dominant game of like why isn't anybody trying to get rid of this person and it's like okay well like because that person is doing well and either got a bunch of advantages or is winning challenges or everybody likes them, mm-hmm. which is what you're supposed to do. It's not quote unquote exciting necessarily sometimes from a viewer standpoint, but also then if the power players or power player gets taken out, unless you have maybe um, interesting dynamics of the other group or interesting players, then I feel like people are like, Oh, well, so-and-so should have won the game, and now these other people <laughs> right. that don't deserve it, somebody who doesn't deserve it's going to win. Yeah, so you, you sort of win. get that, yeah. yeah. Or you'll get both at the same time of, like, you know, if people... People complained about me, and, like, why does anybody want to get rid of Meg? Right. And then by the time I did, everybody's like, oh, well, Meg should have won. Right. It's like... You can't... You, you yeah. can't have both, guys. Come on. <laughs> right. And so I feel like it would have been the same scenario had Bird got taken out or, like, 
a Brandon got taken out. Not necessarily quite as much, I think, in maybe Academy's case, because it's all returning players. I think a lot of people there had stories, I think, worthy of the end. Um, And and not that the people in Nexus Park didn't. Like, I think, like... Waxler, Bram... Yeah. Depending... Like, I think a lot of it has to do with when the big target is taken out. Because if it's at final three or four, Mm -hmm. as in your case... um, or if you want to look at, I don't know if this is a great example from Alliance, but somebody like Toga mm-hmm. or or something like, uh, or an M even, like right right before the finish line is is a really tough pill to swallow as a player, obviously. But then just from like a story perspective of the season's narrative, whereas if it's, you know, Bird that gets voted out instead of Darcy at final eight, you still mm-hmm. have like almost two weeks of game left yeah for somebody else to sort of build that up right so that's a a, you know big difference as well yeah um i do say want to say uh i feel like the comparison between bird and brandon since academies happened um is one i've heard a few times insofar as like i don't know at least from the outside and i'm i've thought this too Less so during Nexus Park, but certainly um, during Academy, where, like, it seems obvious to me that this person is a threat without doing anything. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the season, they start doing things which should make them more of a threat. Right. And not much has happened. But, and to kind of, like, argue against myself a little bit, <laughs> I don't think I've ever felt that way when I think back to Chattern and Lola's game, which okay. was also, I would say, of all the seasons we've run, those are the three most quote-unquote dominant winners we've had, mm-hmm. um, at least from like a start-to-finish standpoint. Yeah. And I was like, just in my head now, like, why don't I feel that way about Lola? Because it's true. Like, she ran that game Oh yeah. from start to finish. Mm-hmm. She found every advantage that she could get her hands on. She won a million challenges, which helps because then you don't really have a chance to target her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, actually. Like, I don't know if it's just the way they played or the type of people they are uh, or what, you know, like, they all played, diff- they didn't play the same games. You know, Bird had a lot of incredibly close allies. Um, Brandon had key advantages and and, and strong connections that he made that got him to the points he needed to. And Lola just found a lot of advantages, won a lot of immunities, and she never really had those like super tight allies throughout the game. She was able to work with a lot of different people at different times. Um, And of course, like Snoop and and Bot-Bot were her two main allies that she took to the end with her. But I, I mean, maybe it was just a product of it being Chattern and the time it was and the type of people and the lack of DM messages and that sort of thing that make it feel less, I don't know, overbearing, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, and I also think for part of it that even though Lola played so dominantly, Lola almost still felt like an underdog in her <laughs> season because, hmm. you know, in when Bird played, like, everybody liked Bird. They upset people because they would vote them out, but, like, mm-hmm. up until that happened, 
everybody loved Bird. Sure. Like, you didn't really have a lot of people running around the season saying they didn't like Bird no. while the season was happening. And the same with Brandon. Yeah. Brandon got along fine with everybody, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one was really, like, upset with him about anything or anything yeah. like that. Um, whereas, like, Lola, like, there was people, like, openly, like, <laughs> angry at Lola. Yes. For existing basically (laughs) that's true so i think that's part of it that it wasn't like lola was up on this pedestal for the entirety of her game with everybody like tripping over themselves to let her get to the end that's true like a lot of what she did and again not saying that anybody else didn't have to work to get to where they got to but like she had to put in a lot of a lot of work to kind of overcome the people that were sort of not wanting her around. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's part of it. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, okay. That answers SMM's question. <laughs> in a long roundabout way. Uh, but he has another question. SMM asks, What was your favorite part of the area chats that was never really explored? And similar to like the question Hirsch asked, I think most things that were put in the game were found i think every ride almost every interaction um the vast vast majority of the commands were found uh if anything wasn't it was probably something in the lab i think there was one audio clip from brandon that went missed that we had to post after the season ended um but uh beyond that um i know uh having talked to everybody now that pretty much the only person who explored the arcade and didn't just go in there to play skee ball <laughs> was Waxler. Because um, there are so many, there were a lot of commands in the arcade, as many as any, any of the other channels, but you just went in and I don't even know how they found the skee ball to begin with. Um, that in a way that like ignored the other 90% of that <laughs> channel. But yeah, I feel like there was a lot of stuff in, in the arcade that most people just kind of didn't even care about (laughs) yeah and i think part of that is just sort of all of the searching and just getting tired of it so it's sort of like i can just go in here and just mindlessly (laughs) click around Mm -hmm. for a few minutes and get some sort of response out of it even if it's just ski ball yeah like as someone who when my brain gets tired i just want to like mindlessly click around on like (laughs) things on my lap like my laptop like yeah. I get it. Like, I don't want to use my brain anymore. I just want to do this thing that's really easy and doesn't take, like, any sort of focus or attention. <laughs> no, that's fair. Because didn't we put in there, like, a way to play with Rambo? I don't remember I think how. so. I don't remember what you were supposed to do, but... I think you could, like, interact with Rambo perhaps more than anyone actually did. Mm-hmm. Um, like, petting him and such. Nobody wanted to amuse my cat. They just mm-hmm. wanted to play skee-ball. We should have... I could have made a the the ski ball things so they all of them were variable outcomes based on which lane you threw the ball down. They could they could have all had like one percent chances of like Rambo bot like swatting your ball away to get zero points. That would have been really fun. Yeah, I was gonna say or like if you just got sick of them playing, just Rambo bot jumps up on the ski ball tail and our table and thwacks your ball into a corner. <laughs> Yeah. Perfect. No more balls. Rambo. Rambo bot has taken all the ski ball balls away. Yes. <laughs> um, 
I don't know that I remember much. I feel like toward the end, I remember... Didn't Bird like to go around and, like, ride all the rides? Particularly the teacups, yes. Yeah. But weren't they pretty much the only one who did that after a while? Yeah, I Bird, think... Bird, I think, at least went around the park and, like, did some of the other stuff besides <laughs> play skee-ball. And Waxler. Yeah. Waxler found the idol, and I think after the idol, Waxler kind of took a step back from the sub-channels. Um, meanwhile, I think once Chaco left... She and, and Bram and Court stopped, like, really going into the sub-channels because they'd been looking for the idol, and they found out that Waxler had it, so, like, now there's no reason for them to be out there anyway. So, yeah, I think Bird was the only one that would go out and ride the teacups and, like, yeah. check a couple other things and yeah. just... Act like they were actually, like, walking around the park <laughs> doing stuff, bit, yeah. 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 Which was nice. Yeah. But, yeah, it would have been... It would have been fun, I guess, to have people actually like, going around the park, like doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> all right, um, we're going to break up this string of SMM questions with a question <laughs> from Hirsch. Uh, Hirsch asked, "How many ways did Bird break the game?" I mean, I can't count them. <laughs> Honestly, I I don't know that Bird actually broke the game. Um, I think this question is from Hirsch is facetious in intent. But I'm going to answer it like it's real. I think Bird did not break the game. But I do think that Bird's approach to playing the game and their 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 hyper-focus on records and statistics and things like that, uh, a mindset I am very familiar with, as anyone who knows me will, under- will attest. Um, I don't know. I just felt like it affected the game in a way that rubbed me the wrong way sometimes. Um, I don't doubt that they would have had record-breaking DM numbers, even if they didn't care about it um, and other things. But I think the line gets crossed when you ask Jordan to like transfer the idol to you just so you can hold it, just for the records of saying you held more advantages than anyone else. Like right. that se- That's very sketchy to me. Yeah. If someone asked me that, I'd be like... Go fucking find your own. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. It's um, I don't know. It's just a strange thing. Yeah, I think it's pretty common knowledge at this point that like all of that just drove me absolutely fucking crazy <laughs> and just annoyed the shit out of me every time it came up. Yeah, like I don't know. That's always, like, we've always had those people in Alliance, and it's always bothered me. Yeah. Like, from, I don't know, like, the first or second season when you started, like, providing the statistics of, like, this person spent the most minutes in the, um... Sub-channels, or... Or, no, the talking one. Oh, in the voice channel. In the voice channel. So then, the next season, Brandon and Noah and whoever else... (laughs) Anytime we do anything in the voice channel, they're just going to fucking sit there. Get those minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, that's that's not a thing. That's not... <laughs> I think what annoys me is just the, like, pointlessness of it. And that it's not, like, genuine. Yeah. Like, you didn't... Like, congratulations, you fucking left your computer on and your microphone on or whatever and went to bed. Yeah. Good for you congratulations to i think it got to the point well obviously i would kick them out yeah because 
stop being stupid. But also, like, I think I told you, I'm like, stop keeping track of this. Or if you are going to keep track of it just for your own amusement, don't fucking tell them about it. Like, no one needs to know who spent the most time in the voice channel. Yeah. Like, no one needs to know that their percentage of DMs was the most, or X or Y or Z. Which is annoying, too, because, like, if people could just be chill about it, like, that stuff is interesting. Yeah. But, like... They can't. I don't, no, they just they can't, can't fucking do it. Like, which is, yeah. Like, I don't know. It To me, it just ruins that. In, it makes the information worthless. Well, yes. Because it's no longer, like, accurate. Yes, you... It's accurate in the sense of, like, it's true that this stuff happened, mm-hmm. but... You know, if you're and like Brandon is a scientist, he'll appreciate the uh, necessity to have, you know, as flawless of a data set as you can. But if the question you're asking is like, well, you know, who is the most active viewer in the voice channel that season? And your answer is Noah, who sat in there for 30 straight hours and never left, never said anything, probably didn't even listen to anything that was said while he was in there. Like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. help anybody. That and doesn't... that's not being active in the voice right. channel. Yeah, you, you've lost you've lost the thread somewhere along the way. Yeah, or just getting people to let you hold their advantage for like five <laughs> minutes yeah. to say that you did. Right. Like, you didn't find it, it wasn't yours, you didn't end up with it out of any sort of strategic Mm -hmm. thought process. You're just like, hey, can I have this for a second to say that I had it? Right. That's not how that works. Good for you. Which is, like, why... And so, to your point about the voice channel stuff, like, there was a bot tracking that alongside a bunch of other things it was doing for us that we no longer use. So I don't have that information anymore. So people have stopped doing it. Right. But there are other statistics, and, like, I love the statistics. If I didn't share them with anybody, I'd still really enjoy them, but not quite as much. Right. I like sharing them with people. I definitely stopped doing it for a significant period of time during Invicta after everything that happened in Nexus Park. It took me a while to get back into the habit of, like, actually wanting to share that information with people. Mm -hmm. And now I mostly only do it in the VIP lounge anyway. Yeah. But kind of spawned this idea of like, okay, well, I need to diversify the statistics and define them better so that they're more accurate. And like this example with Bird and and Jordan and their idol, like now, if that had happened, say, um, and, and, you know, whatever circumstance may be, like that adds an idol to Bird's advantages held, but not to Bird's advantages found. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, I made that distinction somewhere in the, like, Invicta espionage timeline. Um, because, like, all right, like, <laughs> I need to get this nit- nitpicky about things because people are going to approach it in a specific way or... Right. Which then also basically <laughs> ends up as more work for us to try and work around people yeah. pulling antics, which is also annoying that, like, right. we need to waste our time doing that. Yeah. I'm I'm actually surprised. I didn't think of this until now, but I'm kind of surprised that that didn't lead us to making more advantages non-transferable. Um, yeah. I don't think that impacted us at all. Um, we do still do that with some things if we feel like it, they shouldn't be 
traded, but I could have seen us doing that with everything so that you couldn't just, you know, like, this is a bit of a, more of a tangent, um, but I remember, I think it was the survivor Cal Rong, there was um, an idol in play that season that was kind of being shared by three people at one point, just a lot of people to share an idol. And the way I track fantasy points, I track them if you hold the idol. And so I found it, it's mine, I get the points for it. And then I give it to you. You get the points for it, because you had the idol. You could have played it, it was yours. Mm -hmm. And then you give it to the third person, now they get the points for it. And then they give it back to me, maybe that's like three episodes of the, of the show later, I get points for it, because I have an idol. But do but like and I think at the time like I was giving every time the idol legitimately passed possession, I was giving more points for that transfer. Whereas now, you get credit for like having it once. So I have it. I give it to you. You get the points for it yep. as long as you like legitimately spend time with it, and it's not just like oh check this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then if you give it back to me, like, I don't get any bonus points for it. I right. got the points already kind of thing. Right. That makes sense. Because yeah. I did that, I think, with mine, with Dob in Game yeah. Changers, was anytime we went to Tribal, um, if I was had a concern about me having it or whatever, I would give it to him. And then yeah. he would give it back. Right. So, like, yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense that, you know... I'd be like, I have an idol, you have an idol, I have an idol, you have an idol. Points for us. Yeah. Back and forth and back and forth. Yes. Yeah. Or so if you're listening to this and you play the stock market, there is a value in the stock market for giving someone an advantage or an idol. And I don't think it's ever, I don't think it's happened since we started using the stock market really, um, that I can remember. Uh, but I think that would apply in the same way. Like, I can't, you know, if it's a returning season and I really want to boost my stock market value and then <laughs> I spend an entire like five hours trading my idol back and forth between you and myself, like, no, 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 no. That Why are you giving people ideas? <laughs> no, well, I'm, I'm saying like, we're not going to, I'm only going to track it once. Yeah. If you do that. And Would you maybe... also have it count only if the other person held possession of it through a tribal? That I'm not certain about. Because it's... Because if you can't play it but you could feasibly give it to somebody different yeah i was just thinking right? that is that like, like you could just you could give me your idol and i could be like now it's and just like right you know either keep it or give it to yeah. my other person i like better than you so I, that's the only that's the main reason why i'm hesitant to restrict it to you know having in a tribal council um just because you do have the flexibility to really do whatever you want with it so um yeah that's that that makes sense so Moral of the story, don't be annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one other thing I just remembered is that I used to have to kick Brandon and Noah out of the voice channel so many times that, like, one time I wasn't on the voice channel. I remember what I was doing, but I looked, and, like, the two of them are in it. So I'm just like, ugh. I, like, kicked them both out of it. And then Brandon, all annoyed, is like, what'd you do that for? And I'm like, well, get out of the voice channel. And he's like, we were using it. We were talking about Edgic stuff. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> but I think after that, they stopped, like, doing it. So they le learned. learned your lesson. <laughs> and I don't remember if this was 
before or after Partners in Crime when I played. But I remember Brandon in there would kept talking about our DM statistics. And I remember every time he would do it, I would just be like... I, I think it was after this. Like, roll my eyes. I'd be like... <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. <laughs> this is what you're going to do. Yeah. Just be like, we need to have the most... Our DMs per day is X, and so-and-so is Y. And it's like, sure, but also, like... Like, I didn't feel like we were fake inflating it but also like i don't know it's hard to feel like you, you aren't if you're thinking about it if it's that in the front of your mind right yeah. like i didn't care about it but like yeah, yeah. so i just i just want to live my life and talk how much i talk and yeah that's it that's i agree yeah i'm not gonna get a trophy for talking the most i don't think maybe i will Our next question comes from SMM. Um, I think there's a bit of uh, facetiousness to this question as well. I feel like it looks like a serious question to me. Okay. SMM asks, why was SMM your favorite character? (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, uh, during the season, he wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Post-season, I don't know. I don't know that I really have a favorite character i mean even if i do i try to avoid picking sides like that significantly um i will say that i i definitely did not appreciate what smm brought to the season in the moment um and i think a big part of why at least that was the case for me is because we just come off of high seas where we had zach zach is great um (laughs) In in particular ways. He's very chaotic. Um, he was a fun member of the High Seas cast. And really threw a wrench into a lot of things that were going on <laughs> that season. Uh, and I think in that moment, like, what, what really held Zach back from being somebody who could get to, like, the end of the game. And, and maybe he has since High Seas happened in a different game or something. But um, it never felt like he cared about the end game. He was playing in the here or the now and coming up with shit out of left field, whatever pleased him, whatever suited his fancy, which is a lot of fun on the outside, but like does not a good player make. Um, uh, he got pretty far for he did. the antics that he came up with. That's true. And, and no offense to Zach, like he was a ton of fun to watch and has been fun when he's, you know, joined the lounge yes. or the HQ when he does. Yes. We are happy to have Zach around. Yes. <laughs> and so when SMM threw that vote on Waxler at the first tribal council, when it would otherwise have been a unanimous trip vote, I was like, here we go again. <laughs> it just, it gave off those vibes. Like, and, and, you know, he doesn't, SMM doesn't talk, didn't talk in his confessional the way Zach did. He definitely felt he had more, um, I don't know. He just spoke. He was better. He spoke better, um, better than I am doing in this moment. Uh, <laughs> he, I don't know. He was more well spoken in the way he talked about the game and the way he talked about himself and the way he talked about the other players. And I definitely, I think I blinded myself a little bit to that side of him by watching him throw a vote and then lie about it. I think SMM had more <laughs> purpose 
or yes. like long-term intent for what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think sometimes Zach did, but a lot of the time it was just like, I just thought of this thing and I'm going to do it. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was, the difference between SMM and Zach throwing a vote at the very first tribal council they attend is a chasm. <laughs> because I would not, at least Zach from High Seas, I would not have believed you believed him if he said like, oh, I have a, this is part of my master plan. No, it's not. No, it is not. Whereas when SMM says it, I'm like, okay, please tell me more. And then I'll figure out if it's a, you know, something you're trying to do. So uh, I think I definitely fell into the trap of conflating the two of them a lot. Uh, and that was my mistake because that's not. They're, they're definitely similarities, but they are very distinct different play styles particularly where the intent and end game portion of the season is concerned so and also smm didn't help his cause much by then one of the next challenges the one where it was like oh make sure you're ready and he's just like we're going no we're starting (laughs) right now oh boy this guy yeah but like the stuff smm did i think is some of the stuff like, some of the best stuff that people think of <laughs> yeah. when they think of the season. His, like... His DM with his Trip. His DM with Trip. Oh, it's perfect. Go home, we're voting you off. And then, yeah, just him just starting, starting the challenge. Just yep. bang. We're going. Yep. That's yeah. great. Um, <laughs> you know, he was, he was responsible for most of the uh, good-natured antics in the season. Yes, for a season that had lots of various antics a lot of which were not good natured <laughs> smm in the long run harmless yeah wonderful oh, absolutely yes um imagine yeah. a whole cast of smms no just running around no <laughs> i refuse <laughs> the dream oh geez and one thing i do have to say about smm talking with him more after the season especially mm. like game character smm and like actual smm Actual SMM is so kind and, like, so wonderful, like, very thoughtful. Like, he's someone who, after the season, like, the messages he sent of, like, thank you guys so much. Like, I had such a nice time. Mm -hmm. We're all really great. Yes. So, we appreciate SMM. We absolutely appreciate SMM. He's the one who gives us our season cast graphic in the HQ that we post in the History Channel. Um... Completely unprompted. <laughs> Didn't ask him to do it. He went. He decided to it. Every every time a season ends, he asks for the hex codes for the tribe colors, and I send them to him, and he sends me back the updated graphic, and <laughs> it's really nice, really helpful. I didn't uh, know he still did it. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. If, if it's there, it was from him, so <laughs> no one else is doing it. Um, if he stopped, I'm sure we'd ask somebody, but uh, no, he's great. I love it. Uh, so that brings us to our final question. Uh, This question comes from RDT, and RDT asks, Why didn't you invite SMM back for the returnee season? It was general consensus that we really wanted him back. And I'm just going to say that, like I mentioned earlier, Ryan took notes for some of these questions. So right now on his computer, he has a Word document open with the question, and then like, just sort of like, a general response for himself there so that he would remember what he wanted to say. Yeah. And uh, the response to this one is just the unamused emoji. 
Yes. Nothing else. <laughs> uh, uh, so, the returning season was Academy. The criteria for the returning season was pre-merge and or pre-jury. And that's it. That was it. And SMM made the merge and the jury. So, kind of excluded him off the bat. Uh, Stop trying to scam us, RDT. <laughs> so, I guess I guess for a little inside baseball from Academy standpoint, we knew we wanted 21 people that season. We had a list of people we wanted to invite. And we had a further restriction we imposed on ourselves, which was um, we didn't want to have more than three people from each prior season so that we could split them all up into their starting tribes um, so that you wouldn't be playing... You wouldn't start the game anyway with somebody that you played with previously. So that, of course, made it a little trickier because, you know, there might have been four people from one season that we really wanted and another season where we only wanted like one or zero people because of, you know, just the games they'd played or their availability or that sort of thing. So there was certainly a concern that like, well, what happens if we get down to you know, we have 19 or 20 people and we cannot find the last person that fits all the criteria we wanted. Like, what do we do? Where do we go from there? And I know we, I think the first thought we had was like, well, we would probably look at the people who were first boot in the jury, like the first members of juries from past seasons. Um, As anyone who watched or played in Academy knows, the only season that wasn't represented from that from there was high seas so that's probably where we would have looked first but um you know if there if we didn't get brendan and taylor and nay um or you know any combination of three people from nexus park like could have happened there's a world <laughs> there's a world where smm would have gotten an invite to academy i think can you mes- imagine smm and banjo just like running around <sighs> together on. with jess no <laughs> They would have all had to start on different tribes. Yeah. And just stay there forever. Yeah. They never merge. They're just all in their own separate areas. We we aren't merging until two of the three of these players are voted <laughs> out. Ay, ay, ay. But yeah, I mean, that's that's why that's why SMM didn't get an invite. Pretty straightforward. We also specifically did not invite SMM back because we knew it would disappoint RDT. That's true. Which really is probably the actual main reason. The other stuff is just superfluous extras. Yes, that's fair. (laughs) Well, those are all the questions we received. Um, We talked about the challenges. We talked about the advantages. We talked about the season in various capacities and in addition. Um, So I guess kind of the elephant in the room was that uh, Nexus Park was, um, I guess for lack of a better word, toxic. Uh, not not really, I mean, the players at times, um, but far more so in the lounge. Uh, we'd never had a season quite so unruly does not do it justice, um, I don't think. Rude. Basically rude. rude. Yeah, rude. Um, confrontational. Uh, mean and that was pretty miserable yeah i think the only thing knock on wood we've been pretty lucky in that you know our people have mostly 
been fine. Yeah. Um, I think the main quote unquote issue we had before that was the chattering jury. I agree. Was rude and mean also at points. Um, but for the most part, you know. Yeah. I think we had been, I think like, you know, coming from a, so many of the people who are part of the community, uh, at that time, prior to then, uh, coming from FML, where the average age skewed much higher than the typical org community does, um, you kind of feel like there's just a, I don't know, an innately higher level of maturity. Um, and not that not that people who aren't who are 30 40 50 whatever can't be mean and rude and stuff they can they were um but i think there's just a a sense and a hope that like if you are older like my age or above generally like you can kind of understand when another adult tells you like hey you're crossing a line or you shouldn't i mean you shouldn't need somebody to tell you that but and I think that is kind of part of the problem too, is that we didn't want to have to tell people that we didn't, I, you know, I don't feel like we should have to, but if we do have to, at least after Nexus Park, we do. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the, what, five of us who are on production at that point yep. are all very non-confrontational. Yes. Um, like aggressively non-confrontational i think i am probably the most confrontational i guess of the group at the time which was you ryan who's very passive generally very not not about that life not about conflict um jeffrey Jeffrey, who's the same not interested yeah uh clever absolutely (laughs) not interested no um and then gd who also is more was also like he's not i would say that it was less that he was fearful about the confrontation and more that that he would just do it wrong type of thing (laughs) like that he would make a mistake or something and i think also you mean him being worried he would do that yeah okay yeah um and i think also that was sort of toward the end of when gd was on production is that correct yeah so i don't know too if I know he had been busy the last couple of seasons. He was on the production team, so he wasn't necessarily as involved or paying attention to everything. Right. And, like, even me, who, just based on the composition of the production team, tends to be the, play the part of the bad guy a lot of the times. Like, having to come in and play the mom of the group, basically, of being like, you guys need to stop. Like, why are you acting like this? Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Mostly because, not because I necessarily want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do because everybody's <laughs> generally driving me nuts. But, like, because I know nobody else wants, is comfortable or wants to or will do it. Right. Um, I don't remember where I was going with this, what the point of this was. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, part of it is just that, one, you know, we've seen other orgs where um, production is very involved with the players mm-hmm. almost to the point where it's like it's too far in the other problematic direction. yeah yeah where you know they're always interfering in people's conversations or like jumping in or doing whatever and that's not really something we we necessarily want to do um no. 
I know me, I'm one of the people that talks besides Ryan hosting and probably the production member that talks to the players the most. But I generally try to do it in just in their confessionals. Um, I don't generally go in people's DMs. One, I have them muted. <laughs> but like when people are playing the game, the point of the game is that they're playing with each other. Right. Like they're not there to talk to me. Like, so I try to not, I try to stay out of that part of the game to not interfere with the flow of like people's conversations or like what they're doing. Um, and so I, th I think we had always taken a very like hands off approach to things of being like, well, you know, not playing favorites to the players or having it be like, oh, well, you, you made sure that this outcome happened or that why happened or whatever. Um, as long as people were following the rules, right? in theory, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, and this, another thing I kind of just thought of is that when you mentioned that a lot of people came over from FML, FML also occasionally had a lot of conflict. There was always sort of the clicky, yeah, clicky groups there. And it seemed like every weekend, like people were arguing about something. And so not generally to the point of what happened in this season with like the name calling and like that sort of thing. Right. But I think a lot of us from there were also just sort of used to these sort of like back and forth and arguing and yeah. whatnot that came from there. Like debates over the movies turned into like, you don't know what you're talking about and da 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 da. Oh yeah. Been there. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, if people were like, oh, this person's like, this was dumb and be like, no, it's not dumb. Like you're dumb. Like, yeah, like, or whatever. we yeah. were just sort of like, okay, whatever. Like, as long as it didn't cross into, like, and it did here. Yeah. Like, there were times when it crossed into just name-calling and nastiness. And it's points like that where we should have stepped in more instead of just being like, oh, it's just everybody's arguing, like, what else is new? Right. Type of thing. Like, there's a difference between being like, I don't like how this person's playing... I don't think that was a smart move, whatever, to being like, this person's shitty, and I don't like them. Yeah, I I remember going back to Chattern, you know, mostly the jury, but I think this was more so about, like, the people playing in the game at the time. Something Hirsch said, I don't know if it was something he said in the lounge or if he said it to me in a DM, um, but this isn't throwing Hirsch under the bus. He had said something to the effect of, you know, if you're going to show your ass, like, I'm going to call you out on it, basically, right? And to a certain extent, like, I think that's fair. If you are, you know, you can think whatever you want about what these games are, but at the end of the day, these are reality games. You are playing, you know, some version of yourself in front of a group of people who are watching you play. And depending on the org you're in, you'll have varying levels of interaction with the people watching you whether they can see your confessional directly and react to your messages whether they can't like this is the case here and whatever you do and in an alliance this is more true than i think most other orgs like the people see it and especially if you do something that is particularly egregious in any direction positive negative whatever like 
it's probably going to come up in the lounge. People are going to post screenshots of it, link to it, call, talk about it. Um, whether that's, uh, you know, the relationships between Bird and Jordan and Darcy, whether that's the SMM vote that he throws in the beginning of the season, um, everything. Everything is, quote-unquote, fair game. It's the same when you're watching the show. Uh, obviously, you can't see 24-7, but, like, what they sh- sh- choose to show you in a reality show, Survivor, Bachelor, doesn't matter. Like, you have hundreds of thousands of millions of people watching you, and you can bet that if you do something stupid or mean or untoward or excessive or great, like, people are going to talk about it. That's just how it works, right? And so... You know, we had had that come up in Chattern. We had had players who were kind of rude, kind of mean, like we talked about, that were very anti-Lola, or um, in some cases it was more over the line than that. And yeah. Like when Snoop got there. Yeah. Everybody was yeah. really shitty to Snoop. Every, yeah, that was not great. That was very bad. And, um, you know, the, the sort of Hirsch mentality approach to that is like you know all right if you were a dick like i'm gonna call you out for being a dick and i think there was definitely some of that in nexus park where you had people and this like we've said like this is a cast that a lot of people they were friends with or close with in the viewers lounge steph um bird darcy smm uh waxler like it's a long list and so when that happens and you have somebody like, wow, so-and-so is being kind of a dick. Whether that's true or not, you're gonna have, you're, you probably had people that season who were close friends with that person. Yeah. And that's naturally going to cause rifts in the lounge between the people who think that what's happening is rude and the people who are like, well, no, like that they're doing it because of X, Y, and Z. Whether like they were whether you actually think that they were being rude or whether you actually think that they were justified in how they spoke to somebody else, like, it didn't really matter. After, like, the first or second time it happened, it didn't matter anymore. Like, you were either Team Bird or you were not Team Bird for whatever they were doing or you didn't like their gameplay or you loved their gameplay or you were there to defend them because they're your best friend and you don't want to see a group of people, like, shit-talk your best friend because nobody wants that. I would hate that you know and it's tough because like i said i do kind of agree with what hirsch says where like if you're gonna be an ass like you don't have any real right to get upset when somebody tells you you're an ass right like you it's sort of like the free speech people like to argue about where it's like oh well people should be punished because they can say things and it's like the fact that you can say whatever doesn't mean that there's not going to be consequences to saying whatever. Right. Which I think was part of the issue here was that, you know, there was a lot of... A lot of feelings. Yeah, but more so than just the feelings is that there was just a lot of, like... I don't know if aggression is the right word this season, but a lot of the players were very animated i guess about a lot of things that's fair like you even had like taylor who mostly was just you know kind of shit stirring just for amusement get into it with darcy Mm -hmm. who was not going not having it and 
Darcy even herself admitted that she was going over the top about yes to come back at him and taylor's getting upset because like he doesn't know that right so like you know there's just like all this stuff going on and trying to balance between like how much of this is acting and how much of it is actual Mm -hmm. like in a game like this like that gets blurred a lot yes so trying to figure out the like okay like well this right now is still game related enough you know and it was yeah like you know in these type of games people are gonna get upset like Mm -hmm. it's not fun you don't you know you don't we don't do this because we want to see people get upset and hopefully the people watching and playing and whatever don't want that also but when you have a bunch of people trying to one win a game Mm -hmm. a game that involves like social bonds and then they're also trying to sort of stab each other in the back and sneak around and do whatever like you're gonna come across these conflicts and these emotions of like well you hurt my feelings Mm -hmm. because of what you did and now i'm upset and now we're gonna argue about it right and so you know those people you know you're justified in having those feelings when you play these games like i've had lots of (laughs) bad feelings playing these games um and when people have those bad feelings they approach it differently i'm tend to sort of turtle up like i'm going to be upset in real life Mm -hmm. internally i'm not going to lash out at whoever made me upset Mm -hmm. that's just not how i operate um but like other people they're gonna be like what did you do this for like i want to talk about this like we are resolving it right and so like for me if somebody comes at me like that, I turtle up even worse. <laughs> so like, you know, it's hard also to like respect dynamics of somebody who's like, no, like I want to talk about this. Like we are going to talk about it. I'm not dropping this until we figure it out with somebody else who like very much does not want to do that or be in that situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trying to balance something like that of like, okay, like, well, do we need to tell acts they just need to like take a step back stop for a second but then also like b did the thing and now the consequences of their actions are coming back right like they made that decision to do whatever they did this is part of it right you know absolutely if you're gonna do whatever and upset somebody you're gonna pay for it yeah whether that's in the relationship with them or in some cases it's bigger consequence than you could realize with depending on how connected those you are to other people or that person is to other people it's definitely like you said something we're we try to be as hands-off with those things as we can right um i think i think mostly in the past it's been an issue of as long as people aren't saying slurs or threatening (laughs) anybody like if they're gonna argue yeah they can argue right you know it's sort of like the um it almost makes me think of that argument you've seen of like what is porn and the judge was like you know you know it when you see it <laughs> like yeah you know it's sort of like a you watch an argument happen and well it might make you like eh, i don't feel great about it mm-hmm. that generally like it's sort of like a just a ballpark of like okay i feel like now this is 
getting to a point where this needs to stop, where right. somebody else needs to step in on it. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think of like a an MMA fight where, you know, one of the fighters has the other one kind of like pinned and is like beating on them. And like you have a ref who's like four feet away watching intently and waiting for the right moment to have to step in and call the fight and like assessing how close the other fighter is to like not like do they have a shot like are they just dead here and you know figuratively speaking and that's kind of the same thing like all right well i don't know like how close how far can argument go like when you know if if they if for example if you know if you never come to your confessional and say anything about the argument like i don't know does that mean you're more invested in it that means it matters more to you does that mean it's real or does that mean it doesn't really matter because you're just having a laugh and so like the people who do go into their confessional to say what they really think about what's happening thank you um, <laughs> that helps us a lot yeah. so we can have a better understanding and we have done sometimes before when we're like not sure where we've yeah. messaged somebody in their confessional been like hey like if it gets to a point where you don't want to deal with this anymore like let us know yeah and I think we've tried to be better about that more yes. now. I think we've done it, I think, before. Mm -hmm. But um, to try and be like, hey, like, if this sort of gets to a point where you just either need a break or, like, for you across the line, like, let us know and we'll step in. Yeah. And look, knock on wood, luckily, that <laughs> hasn't really often gotten to that point. No. Usually people be like, thanks, I appreciate it. Like, it's fine. I'll let you know, though, or whatever. Right. And... I don't know that it has gotten to a point. No. I like, I, I think about like various scenarios where something is felt close to happening. Like, you know, after the Hirsch rocks vote where Kat asked us to close her DMs with Angel and, and Cars because like, I think that was just kind of her reaction to a pretty emotional moment. And, you know, I don't think that was ever anything we needed to like step in to say anything about. Or... Crystal and Zach, you know, we had asked Crystal at one point, like, do you want us to close your DM with Zach? And she said, no, I don't know if I knowing Crystal better now. I don't know how much of that was like, I think she had even said in the moment, like there was a part of her, like refused to let him win basically by mm -hmm. doing that. But I don't know whether that would have been something that would have been better for her mentally, emotionally or something. Um, things like that but uh i think i th so i think this this very hands-off approach is something that we'd also taken with the lounge because i think insofar as you know if you're gonna make bad choices in the game and they're gonna come back to bite you like i think the lounge is subject to the sim very similar constraints you know if you want to you just watched an episode of The Bachelor and you want to jump on Twitter and like chew somebody out for something they did or something they said, like a bunch of people are going to look, see that and do the same thing back to you, right? Like, mm -hmm. and that's, I think, the issue is that like it doesn't stop. You get an action in the game that somebody has a really strong reaction to that somebody else cares about the person that started it and has a reaction to your reaction. And then you double down, and then now there's like 
five more people from the lounge coming over to get involved in this argument and then another five people and then the argument is like splintering away and going into a vip lounge or a private lounge or somebody's dms and then it and then another inciting incident happens and then all of a sudden those same 10 15 people are back arguing again and like it just continues to escalate and i think you know in the same way that i feel that you know you do a bad you do something wrong or, or i don't know bad in the game that it should have consequences that's true of a viewer too you know if you toe the line cross the line that should not you know there should be consequences to that and the problem is i think at least up until the point where nexus park was happening or at least till the end of nexus park um i speaking for myself i think when you look at the consequences from the players like they were immediate you you know your game suffered your relationship with another player in the game suffered in the lounge it's not that way you don't get voted out of the lounge much as many people joke that they can um (laughs) i don't actually kick everyone out of the lounge (laughs) no you don't you know you don't all of a sudden you can shit talk the players yeah and as long as nobody else in the lounge is saying anything to you there's no consequence to that right like if i'm playing somebody can't somebody can sit in the lounge and be like oh meg's such a bitch like whatever like i don't know she sucks and i hate her and and if nobody else is saying anything like to them there's like whatever or as sometimes the case i think the case was in nexus park um if you have enough people who will support your side of that fight, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how many people respond to you. Right. So if if it's, you know, Bird versus Jordan in the Alliance Lounge, the the chances of you finding more people who are going to support Jordan's side of that argument, whatever the argument might be, impossible. Like, definitely not then. Like, it wasn't going to happen. You had too many people who were really close to Bird, too many people who... You know, we're close to Jessica, Jessica, Mary, and Ari in the lounge already. Um, Bird had been part of the community since Summit. Like, it didn't, like, right or wrong, it didn't matter who was on which side. Like, there were just more people who wanted to defend Bird than whoever was against Bird at that given any point in time, generally speaking. Yes, I think in this instance in particular, and in other instances of other things since then is that you know you get a group of people especially people who are louder and more opinionated and whatever yeah all shouting about one thing with one type of feeling about it if you're someone who's quieter or new or just you don't you're not someone who likes to argue Mm -hmm. you're just not going to say anything right or you're going to try to put out just a normal opinion like oh well i think it's you know i think it's fun that smm threw that vote on waxler like you know it it adds a little spice but then all of a sudden you have 10 people are like it was stupid it was dumb like why would you do that he's not gonna last he's gonna get voted out everybody's gonna see through it Mm -hmm. and that's the only thing that's the only response you get to the thing you said which is a very like just general like oh i thought that was fun yeah. You get 10 people attacking you. Why would you ever want to say anything again? Why would you even stay in the server? Right. I wouldn't. 
<laughs> I haven't. I've, that's happened to me in the past, and I've left because yeah. that's just not nice. I don't don't appreciate it. Yeah, um, and I think, and I think I'm guilty of this too. And it happens in other places. the The Food Channel is a prime example where much of our HQ battles take place is the mm. Food Channel. But like, and I don't know if this is just a product of society in general and the greater conflict that always seems that seems to be happening more often now than not is that it's almost like you say i like blue blue's great yeah you don't get that back or you might get that from somebody like oh yeah i like blue a lot and then you'll get somebody else who's like well i like red and it's like you know and then you could have somebody be like oh i like purple and instead of being like oh you know blue and red combine make purple like Mm -hmm. that's really great and people just, like, cheerfully sharing their opinion. It's much more of a, like, oh, I like blue. And then you get somebody else who's like, blue's fucking ugly. <laughs> Why would you like blue? Yellow's right here. Yeah. And then you get somebody else who's like, ew, yellow. Gag no. me with a spoon. Yeah. Like, mm-mm. No, green. All my homies hate people who like yellow. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. And even if, you know you're joking it's just it feels like so often people instead of just saying like hey this is my opinion about this thing and other people being like oh that's cool i respect that i feel x about it mm-hmm. it's just every you just have to everybody just has to fight about it oh yeah like you can't like people can't just exist with differing opinions which is disappointing is that if somebody's like i like chocolate chip cookies and somebody else is like, chocolate chip cookies are the devil's cookie. No one should like those. Like, that's just, you know, why? Right. And I think that's, you know, I don't think that was definitely the issue here. Like, there was a lot of other stuff going on. That's part of it. Yeah, but it was also a lot of like, you know, if anybody disagrees with the larger voice of the lounge, Mm -hmm. they tend to get ganged up on. Right. And and I think uh, this was sort of the first season where we saw it a lot of other people expressing privately or like to us or wherever else that like they didn't feel comfortable talking. Right. Because if they wanted to defend say Jordan or wanted to say that they didn't like how Bird was acting or how Darcy was acting. Darcy was also another person who had a lot of support in the lounge. Mm-hmm. Um if anybody wanted to say anything that differed from the opinion of, you know, the group that supported these people who had been here already, like, they just got bashed. Right. And, which sucks. Like, you know, I think it's apparent how we've had struggles, like, casting and sort of growing um, the community. Like, we had a lot of people who enjoyed it and have brought, like, their friends or their family or whatever, which is great. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you end up with people who have a bad experience, and I think in this season was a huge yeah. part of that in a time that it happened, where they had a bad time, or even if they came and never said anything, didn't really have any huge attachment to anybody in particular, but sees all these people calling people names and being rude and being mean and just fighting. Like if they go back to wherever they came from, like whatever community they came from and somebody's like, Oh, you know, 
I just talked to somebody who played Alliance, and they're like, oh, yeah, I just watched their last season. Those people are shitty. Yeah. And then they're like, oh. And then that just becomes the association with us. Is that, like, you know, well, the Alliance group is really mean. Like, if they like you, great, have fun. Like, if they don't like you, they're going to fuck you up. Mm-hmm. Which, like, why, why would you want to come deal with that? You wouldn't. Yeah. I think that the sort of like shouting down of the smaller opinions was also something that you know it started i don't even know like where the i don't even know where it started during the season but by the time you get to a certain point like you stopped having that even even a feeble other side for a lot of the things that were going on and i even i think that on top of it because that happened, that means you end up with, you know, these bashing, antagonistic messages that see, that have, you don't have anybody else in the lounge responding to them, or, or decrying them. You don't have any of the hosts stepping in. We didn't do that. And so now, you feel emboldened to say more shitty things. And... So I think toward the end of that season, there were a lot of things being said in many different places that kind of took the liberty of not having a check against that to speak even more freely or to, you know, to not pause after you've written out your message and, and like reread it to see like, should I actually send this? Nobody did that. Just enter, 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 enter. Shitty message, shitty message, shitty message, shitty message. And, like, and, you know, like, it was like the floodgates had been opened. And by the time it had happened, like, we were just so caught caught by it that, you know, we didn't, we didn't handle it right in the moment. We didn't handle it right. Like, there were many times where, like, if we had done something, we could have at least plugged one or two holes maybe um and we didn't uh until it was too late and too too much too much had happened and um we we you know it had gotten too far um and so you end up with a lot of people who like you said aren't saying anything said one or two things and got shouted down who support Jordan support court um, who are seeing these messages that are being posted and sharing them with them either you know in the jury or postseason I don't know if that was happening while they were still playing um, but that like you know there's I, I don't blame them for not sticking around why would you want to right um, didn't matter you know how because you know i think in in some players cases that season it was evident to them during the season that they were big characters they had said and done a lot (laughs) they had fought a lot with other players um so like if they came out of the season and found out that like they had been they had had real main character energy and they were talked about a ton in the lounge. It shouldn't have surprised them. Um, 
not that they would have realized like how negative some of the stuff said about them was going to be but just like you're gonna have there's gonna be a lot of lot there, said there's gonna be you. some opinions here right and i think for someone like bird and jordan and darcy just the volume of messages they sent during the season it was undeniable that that was going to be the case and i think for players on courts end of the spectrum i don't think that was the case um i think i i feel like some i feel like court and i don't know this for certain but i think you know she could have come out of the game feeling you know you know she finished runner-up she was you know half a vote one vote away from from winning the season and yet i feel like there was a like she didn't have the conflict that bird had she didn't have the relationships that jordan had during the season and they certainly didn't end with the (laughs) with the fire and explosion that these other players had um either so i wouldn't if i'm in her shoes like i wouldn't have come out expecting like tons of bad things said about me or tons of anything said about me and then you know to find out that you did um it's just it sucks like a lot of the things said about court were very personal attacks against her and i don't know that like everything you say and like we've seen it a little bit elsewhere but like somebody will bring something up in the game that's very personal about themselves. Um, I think it happened in, in Nexus Park in a moment that wasn't really brought up a ton. I don't remember it being talked about a lot, but it came up in the interviews that I had um, where Maddie and Bramblecat like, had a really nice heart-to-heart talking about like them coming out in li- real life and like a conversation that doesn't have any bearing on the game. But that's the cycle that Bramble Cat gets voted out. And they told me that, like, there was a moment where I sat back and I was like, well, was that, was he trying to get my jury vote? Like, was there gamesmanship to that? And I think when you're a player in those moments, like, I think it's fair to have those thoughts because we've seen that in the show many times. I don't know how often that happens in in an org, but I'm sure it's not 0% of the time. But then you also, I think viewers are very quick to, like, ask those questions in the lounge. Oh, did so-and-so, we saw it last season with Alyssa. Um, Like, oh, did Alyssa just bring up, have to go deal with her her kid just to get out of that conversation? And, like, sure, the timing is convenient. But, like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, you know, Lola did that all the time with work. Mm-hmm. But if I remember correctly, told us that. Right. At least no, she definitely did. Yeah. She was, if not to the viewers themselves, at least in our confessional, in her confessional. Yeah. And we would share that because I think that's important for the viewers to know. Yeah, I think it came up at some point that she left a conversation with whoever. Like you, I feel like it was usually AP, but like whoever <laughs> Probably, it was yeah. at the time. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think she said in her confessional or said to us or like. I don't know if we asked about it or like something and she's like oh no like I just don't feel like if I if I need a break or whatever like I'll make up an excuse to go do something right 
And so, like, we did say that, I think, in the lounge. Yeah. Because I think eventually, like, other people were sort of like... Man, that's happening an awful yeah. lot. Lola's got a lot of visitors <laughs> to her house. Yeah. Like, what's right. happening? Right. But, you know, because now one person did it, now everybody's making up excuses to leave conversations, <laughs> you know? Yes. And, I mean, at the same time, like, if Alyssa had been doing that, like, whatever, like, I don't personally care. Like, you do what you gotta do. Yeah. Like, to play these games. Um, but... <sighs> It's it's such a it's such a fine line to walk between you know the way you talk about things that are happening and the way that you're phrasing your comments and you know the and, and I'll say this over and over again but like reading subtext in text form is not easy right. like and I think there's also the issue of, like, unless it's, like, a very blatant, like, name-calling, <laughs> shitty thing, whatever, different people just have different Threshold. thresholds of, like, what they think is across a line. Right. Like, I know with the thing where Alyssa said, you know, she needed to go do something for her son or whatever. Yeah. And then somebody else is like, oh, like, I wonder if she's just saying that. Right. Like, me, as a person who doesn't have kids, <laughs> like... I didn't think twice about no, I wouldn't. the person who said that or saying it at all. I was just like, oh, whatever. But, like, other people who do have kids were not happy right. about that being, like, about people basically, like, accusing Alyssa of, like, using her kid as an excuse for the game. Whether that was, and I don't think that was probably the intent or the thought process of whoever right. said it. But, like, it's just one of those things where, you know, something like that, which is probably not intended to be problematic, like, it can be. Sure. To somebody who's, you know, feels a certain kind of way about it. Yeah. Like, if it was something else where, you know, if I was playing and I'm like, oh, Ryan's not feeling well, I need to take him to the hospital. And then I see somebody saying, like, oh, like, is he even sick or does she just not want to deal with this anymore? Like, I'd be pissed. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, it's like, just stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Right. Some, I think we look for the negative in what people are doing, especially in these games, more than we would otherwise. I, I, I wouldn't even say the negative. I think we look for the, the conniving. Yeah. I think people really want that Johnny Fairplay moment of pretending your grandmother died just to get a reward on, a, on Survivor. Right. And, like... I mean, you know, he lied about the whole thing. He did get the reward. He didn't end up winning the season. I don't know how big of an impact it had on his outcome. But, like, that's the moment. That's That season, that is the moment. That's the first thing you think about, right? Or at least the first thing I think about. Like, that's he is a player that is going to be remembered forever because of that insane lie he told. And I think... There are a lot of moments like that in the show, and people who watch the show really latch on to those moments. They are big moments. They are impactful, defining moments of the of the entire series. And any time there's a chance somebody could be, you know, big-braining <laughs> something so far, so high to the extent that, like, you know, something that 
it's like it's like almost unfathomable you know like oh man uh, imagine um you know somebody faking an injury for sympathy or uh you know like um like oh i never told anybody this but i actually i'm mute i cannot use voice channels like what like what are you talking about and like obviously if that were true they'd have put it on their application but maybe they did and that was a lie too right like <laughs> that's crazy college student spencer like that's insane <laughs> and like yeah like spencer's college student thing that's what people want i think a lot of people would be like love that kind of stuff and when it's like oh yeah i'm 3 years older than i actually am type of a lie like whatever especially in alliance like okay buddy like that doesn't bother anybody um Still younger than everybody else. Probably. Yeah, you're still like the second youngest person on the cast. Calm down. <laughs> uh, but like you said, there's a line for people that's always different, and you know, um, and it's it's hard to to gauge where that line is. And I think, um, you know, when it's you know, to, you know, to keep using the the Alyssa example. Um, just because it's the one I most easily bring to mind. It's, you know, I want, I think from a, from the side of somebody who's like, oh man, what if, what if she's faking guys? Like, what if that's, what if, like, it, you're obviously not taking it to the extent of like, what if she doesn't even have any kids? I was just going to say, I'm like, what if she doesn't even have a child? <laughs> right? But like, to the extent of like, you know, like, well maybe, you know, like maybe she's not even, like maybe she's at work. She's not even with her kid. So like, who? How should she be know? Right? Or, like, I think there's there's got to be a way to have that conversation with the people who who are like, well, like I can't believe you're accusing her of that. To like, there's got to be a way to have that conversation without coming across as like accusing somebody of that. But I don't know that there is. Like, I think the mere suggestion that that's what's happening is enough for the people that it's going to affect. Right. And again, using Alyssa as our example. <laughs> Sorry, Alyssa. Sorry, Alyssa. <laughs> um, like, other people had seen Alyssa play in, and I think it wasn't really an extent um, in TCDC. I don't think there was this issue, but like, had seen her play a couple times in RPO where she was very, and she would say herself, very villainous. <laughs> Like, intentionally. Like, that's just how she played. And I think she had said, like, she likes to play that way Mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, And I think even over in that lounge, that sort of, like, people were kind of turned off by that. Like, some people. Sure. Um, And I think when she came out of one of the games, she sort of... she's. I think Alyssa's personality, too, she's very sarcastic, which I am also a sarcastic person. Um, and I, in our community, I think everybody knows me enough. I've been there long enough that they know generally, like, if I'm being sarcastic, I'm kidding. Yeah. But like for someone they don't know, like an Alyssa who very much could personality wise be exactly like me. If Alyssa's being sarcastic, they don't know if she's kidding or not. Right. And so if she's, you know, coming out of this villainous role in this game and then coming out in the you know, the lounge and making, like, jokey, sarcastic, maybe what could be interpreted as kind of meanish comments. Everybody's like, oh, you're being a dick. 
and Alyssa was like, whoa, like, like, I'm sorry. Like, that's not what I, like, that wasn't what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. But that was the interpretation of what she was doing, whether she was doing it or not. Right. Because of how she had acted in the game. And I think that even sort of followed her over to our game of people being like, oh, well, I just watched Alyssa play and like, she's a villain. She's, you know, she's mean. She's whatever. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, in our game, she very much was not like that. Right. Like, even I had, you know, over in the RPO lounge, like, I don't like villains. I think that's well known. Mm-hmm. I was very much like, ugh, Alyssa. <laughs> Sorry, Alyssa. <laughs> Sorry, Alyssa. It, when she was not playing the villain, Alyssa was fine. But, like, yeah. in-game, I was just like, <sighs> But, like, oh, I loved Alyssa. Yeah. When she played here. She was very nice. She was very kind. She was a lot of fun. And, like, even she was like, I don't know why I'm acting like this. <laughs> I keep waiting. I keep waiting to turn the switch. And I just can't do it here. I don't know why. <laughs> but, like, it's just that idea of, you know, assigning these attributes to a person based on what you've seen in this fic- quote-unquote fictional game. Right. Or even, like, in another game with all different people, different situation, whatever. And then not, you know... Just because they acted one way one time, that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that's how they are all the time, or even that that's how they're going to be here. Right. And I think I see that sometimes, too, of this issue of, you know, you get upset with somebody about how they act, and you think they're a certain way, but then if they try to change that... It's fake. You, it's fake, or, like, you don't allow them that grace to try right. to realize they made a mistake, mm-hmm. or whatever... And to learn from it or grow from it, it's just like, you fucked up once you're done. Yeah. Like, that was the real you, the person who made that mistake. And now you're just doing X, Y, or Z, or now you're just playing nice to avoid the consequences of that or whatever, instead of just accepting that maybe the person did make a mistake just the one time Mm -hmm. or whatever, or did something and didn't realize at that time it was an issue or why it was an issue and they're trying to you know learn from it and move past it and move on but people won't let them they're always going to be that person who did the shitty thing right and i think that's you know not fair yeah um i guess i think a lot of a lot of stuff like this has a lot of gray area absolutely and i think that people don't like dealing with that with things that are ambiguous or have multitude of sides or whatever they want it to be either okay or not okay or good or bad or whatever and whatever because it's easier instead of just being like well that thing was shitty yes maybe it happened because of why and hopefully in the future we can do c and so it's just like that shitty thing happened that person is a shitty thing everything is shitty 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 I think there's a part of it that particularly viewers um, believe themselves to be experts in reading people. And my thought about that is <laughs> you, I remember, I can't count how many times in grade school I was asked to read a, you know, professionally written, published work of writing and analyze it for subtext or meaning these are you know as a writer 
These are things that people spend months, years, fine-tuning every word so that, it, so, that, so that the reader can understand what you're saying. So that, you know, it, it's like when, like when you're watching a movie, you may not understand every choice that's being made about how that movie is being presented to you, but it's still eliciting the effect that the director or actor or whomever wants you to feel. And I think writing, you know, published writing gets that, does that same thing. And so I know what I did had to do all those evaluations, those, you know, criti critiques, um, um, reading that stuff, like I got it wrong a lot. And this is stuff that had been combed over with a fine tooth comb, who knows how many times. And so uh, yeah, very, very much made many mistakes in my writing English classes in grade school in that regard. And so to come over to a place where nothing except like maybe your FTC speech is given more than like 20 seconds of forethought before you hit enter and expecting everything you read to come up, expecting to know what someone else means with every message they send is, is ridiculous. It's insane. Like, you're gonna say the wrong thing, and you're gonna say things to the wrong people constantly. You're gonna post messages in camp that were supposed to be in your confessional. You're yeah, gonna, Dave. Dave. You're <laughs> gonna send messages to, you know, uh, to Alyssa that were supposed to go to Pandora. You're... I literally did that today in the game I'm playing. <laughs> I sent a message to, in what I thought was my chat with two people there was only a chat with one of them like it wasn't anything bad just being like hey so and so like how are you and oh so and so like how was the thing you went to last night and then like five hours later i looked at it again i'm like oops second person's not in here and i'm like just ignore that and i think and so you know it is so easy to mess up with reading the people who are intentionally writing every single word you're reading that to think you can pick up on exactly what somebody means when, you know, it's all stream of consciousness coming out of their brain, you know, not 100% of the time, but a lot of the things that are being said, particularly in DM channels, are just like thought send, thought send, thought send. And, you know, the better players, the, the savvier players are going to have thought, thinking, thinking, send. And maybe their messages you can, you know, pick apart better and figure out what they mean. But, like, you know, you want to go back to somebody like Zach, who I don't think had a thought, 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 send message once <laughs> in during high seas. No offense, Zach. Um, like, that's, like, there's a reason why he's so fun to watch play. And it's because he doesn't put as much, like... He's not overanalyzing every yeah. single thing that somebody's saying to him or that he's saying to somebody else Absolutely. or that's happening in the game. He's just like, he's just fine. I think this, I think that, I think this. I want to say this to this other person. I'm going to go tell this other person this other lie that's the opposite <laughs> of what I just told that person and then just see what happens. Yeah, like, let's and here's go, some anime. Let's go fake two <laughs> idols, guys. Yeah. We're going to fake two idols. It's going to be great. Not just any idols, like super idols, like whatever. Like, <laughs> it would just build, 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 build. Yeah. And like that. To I don't know to for anybody who watched High Seas and came away from that season thinking they knew what was going on inside Zach's head, sure, sure, Dan, <laughs> no chance, yeah, like not possible. And 
so I think what happens, and it happened in Nexus Park, it's happened, it happens in every season. I think in Nexus Park it just got, you know, completely blown to new proportions. People thought they knew the players. They thought they could understand what the players were feeling and thinking um, better than the players knew. Uh, we have a lot of experts, it seems like, yeah. every season who oh, know yeah. exactly what everybody should be doing, yep. what they should not be doing. It, yeah, it's just... And it's. And, I hope that since this season, like more people, I think, have actually played, and that hopefully has given them more grace of realizing what it's like in the game. Sure, you know what X, Y, and Z should be doing because you can see what A, B, and C are talking about them over in yeah. this other channel. Like, yeah. it's a lot easier to be like, oh, so-and-so should be doing X or Y when you have all the information. Or if you've played this, played these ten different times and you're watching somebody who's either playing for the first time or the second time. Yeah. Like, it's, um... It's, it's easy to backseat drive this game you know, when you're watching somebody like Pandora play, you know, he played for the first time ever in Hidden City. And I'm sure he would be happy to admit that he made a lot of mistakes during his game. And I think he'd also be happy to admit that, like, he didn't know they were mistakes mm -hmm. most of the time. Right. Because how could he? Yeah. Like, he can't see... He hadn't watched before. No. He hadn't played before, like... He, he just came in and did whatever other DM channels. Yeah. He did whatever know. to him seemed like a good idea at the time. Right. And well, everybody else who's watched ten seasons of this or <laughs> played six seasons themselves is like, "What is this insane man doing? <laughs> this is not. This is not how you do things, right. Pandora." <laughs> <laughs> and but and yet you know you're looking at it and I think. In very very similarly to how Steph approached the game, both of them were third place FTC jury vote getters. Their seasons, like they they did better than the vast majority of people who've ever played mm -hmm. Alliance, and like, stuff like that. I think makes them likable, more endearing. Yeah, like you don't have to be like I'm playing a survivor game, so I have to do A, B, and C. Yeah. Because that's what you do when you play one of these games. Like, and also, everybody's seen that by now. They, right. know, they know those tricks just like you do. So, like, if you see somebody come in that's, like, just doing random stuff, you're like, <laughs> all right, well, I guess as long as this random stuff's not actively hurting me, like, sure. I can go with this. Yeah. Sure, why not? Yeah. But, and I've been in the situation before where, you know... I come out of a game or whatever, and people are like, why did Meg do that? Why didn't Meg do X? Like, Meg should have done Y. Mm -hmm. Like, it's obvious. And it's like, okay, like, you know, maybe I don't want to play my game that way. Sure. Like, I think you get the people who are like me, where it's like, I want to play with people I like. Like, hopefully I play well enough I can win. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not actively trying to lose. Yeah. But I'm also not just going to, like, shank my number one because I think they might beat me. Right. Like, that's not how I approach the game. Like, I don't, you know. I think there's a way that that works. And I've made it work. It can definitely work. Yeah. And then you get other people that are just like, I need to 
assert my superiority and my dominance over everybody else in the game. And that works sometimes too. Yeah. And yeah, you just, I've seen people that are like, oh, you know, well, Meg must have been doing Y because of X and I got out of the game and I'm like, that is not what I was thinking at all. <laughs> That's not even close. Yeah. And it's just, you know, unless you're in the game or you know the person well, like, you might have an opinion of what you would do right. if you were in the game based on how you play or what you know or just generally what you think would be the smartest outcome. But, like, there's a multitude of ways to win this game. Like, just because you think somebody should be doing one thing doesn't mean you're right. It doesn't mean that would even work. Unless it's, like, this person has to win the final immunity challenge or they're getting voted out. Like, outside of that narrow specific right. moment and even in that situation like the person in the game probably knows that too yeah like i've been <laughs> in that situation like when i lost final immunity and game changers i was like i'm toast right. like i'm winning this or i'm out like i think everybody else knew it and i knew it like stuff like that is obvious but you know when you get when you're at the f10 and you're trying to decide like you know do i want to work with this person or that person or like which of these people is better for me long term and, you know, you have the people in the lounge like, no, don't work with Z. They're a scammer, like whatever, <laughs> because maybe they didn't get along with the people on their pre-merge tribe. Right. But now they found somebody who wants to work with them and they're going to be fine. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, I, I think, think people are just so focused on what they think and trying to put that opinion out into the world that. I don't know. People just have less tolerance, I think, to listen to anything that's not that. And not everybody, but... Yeah. I mean, I think... I think when when you listen to TBA, DVD, Hirsch, Brandon, Ari, whoever's hosting it during that season, um, <clears throat> you get... They, do a re- they generally do a really good job of not being overly definitive when they're talking about moves or things that happen in the game and i think there are a lot of people in the lounge who do a really good job of having that grace when they're discussing decisions that are being made options that a player has um, votes relationships challenges advantages whatever and i think too a lot of people have since this season in particular have tried very hard to um, you know, be more open-minded about that or discussing things or being conscientious of how they're phrasing things when they are criticizing a move a player did. Yeah. That it's more about, like, I don't know that that was the best thing for them to do in that scenario. Like, I think that's going to really hurt their relationship with X. Right. I, I think it's going to make it really tough for them to survive this next vote because they went this direction instead of that direction. Um, yeah, I think point blank, like a lot of things have been so like comparing Hidden City's lounge to Nexus Park's lounge are like night and day. Because I think that was one of our big fears with having a returnee season is that we were going to have this big flare up again of people who are, you know, you know, 
I'm close with this person that's playing, and I'm close with that person that's playing, and then you kind of have, like, the Discordia-style relationships again, where, like, people are friends and know each other and have for a long time, that everything's going to be a lot more personal, and everybody's going to be a lot more upset watching whatever yeah. happens in the game. And And I think, partly because of this, I think a lot of... And I think us two being very like, hey, we know this is going to be a lot. Like, please try to keep everybody else in mind when you're doing stuff. Right. That I think people were a lot more careful about things. And also, too, that, you know, the growth in our community and people getting to know each other besides, you know, just the FML people or whatever. Yeah. Also being like, you know, I'm friends with, um, you know, Banjo. But I'm also friends with Hirsch, so, like, even if the two of them are, like, you know, not getting along in the game, I don't want to say something about one or the other that's going to, like, hurt their feelings. Right. Yes. I think people did a, a very, very good job during Academy of avoiding that pitfall. For the most part. For the most part. Um, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully just a trend that keeps moving in the right direction uh and people continue to see i mean i don't know everyone everyone knows how impactful and affecting words can be um both within the confines of alliance and outside it but um there's always going to be something that you're not prepared to realize that you don't realize is going to mean or affect or impact somebody or something and you know i it's kind of like it's kind of like pronouns in a way where you know some people will default to a specific to using they them until they know what someone wants to, their pronouns to be because i mean especially on the internet like you haven't <laughs> uh, you know i barely ever check someone's about me and a lot of people don't put that information in their about me's anyway. So, or even in or places roles. that have a role, right. they just don't take one. Yeah. They don't take one. I don't check it, whatever. And so you don't know that it's the wrong pronoun initially. Or in some instances, it's like, oh, I knew this person. They are this pronoun. And time passes. And then they've changed their pronouns. They identify as something different. And you don't know. Because, like, I know, that's not something you generally put in, like, the announcements channel. Yeah. Right? And especially if it's someone you knew already. Like, you're not checking their pronouns, like, every day, most likely. Um, I mean, if you are, great. Um, but yeah, when you... Yeah, it's someone that you played with, like, six months ago that you yeah. don't talk to regularly. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, this person's she. Right. But now they're they. Mm -hmm. And, like, if... And so I think they're... I think so many people, especially someone who changes their pronouns or identifies as different pronouns, um, like when someone makes that mistake, like they're not trying, well, generally speaking, they're <laughs> yes. not trying to offend you or insult you. And so you just correct them. You right. point out the mistake and everyone moves on knowing a little bit better how to phrase things. Yes, and I think that's come up before with Bird when they yep. first joined the community, um, and Ink. Ink, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of people, like, 
Jess was always very good about how she approached it. Was yep. very like, oh, you know, just a reminder that Bird uses they, her yep. ink uses they. Mary as well. Mm-hmm. Mary's really good about that too. Yeah, very non-accusatory. Very much like, hey, yeah. just yeah. So in case you didn't know, this is this is the deal. Yeah, and so I think I think things that are like I think that that should be the kind of initial reaction to somebody saying something that seems like it could cross the line like obviously if somebody you you, like you said you know it when you see it if somebody is like way over the line and like you can kind of tell there wasn't any room to like they were intentionally being yeah but there but there are definitely times where like that's not obvious and i think when it isn't it's it's obvious that it's not obvious if that makes sense (laughs) and so I think, and I think people have done a lot better job of like coming at that from a place of questioning. Like, do you mean X? And then maybe they do, and they don't realize that that's not how they should phrase something or what they should be saying, or maybe they didn't. And then like, okay, nobody got upset. We avoided a blow up of any kind. And now we can move on in, in this conversation in a way that is productive for everybody. So like, but like, those are just things that like, I don't know. I, I'm 31 in... Did you just check how old you were? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm turning 31 in two months or so. And I feel like I have had to learn a lot of this sort of social stuff during my lifetime. And I think you probably did too. And I think people uh, older than either of us have had to as well because... Social stuff was a lot different 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And like, even for me in school, Bird, I think, was the first person I've ever encountered that used they, them pronouns. Like, I I didn't know, I didn't know anybody in college or anything. Mm -mm. No. Um... Because I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, and then you have like the, the breads of the world who are babies and, and like they don't they didn't really have to like learn that stuff Mm-mm. they were brought up in that world in that environment which is great mm-hmm. and i think most of those people are very understanding that others that the older folks which like we said alliance a lot of older folks guys um <laughs> like they they just you know, it's not always the first instinct, even when you know the right thing to say or the right phrasing to use. And it sucks that, like, you might have to remind somebody of the right pronouns to use four, five, six times during a game as a viewer, etc. And, but, like, man, it is so hard to untrain yourself for certain things. Yeah. But, and I think that was one of the observations I made during this season was that I was like, the people who are acting the most mature about this are the teenagers. Muse. Muse was always very good about being like, hey guys, like, why don't we take a step back? Like, why don't we calm down? Um, He sticks out, like, in particular. I know he was very much like a much more moderated voice amongst all of the yelling. Jess maybe i kind of want to say i don't think jess was quite as 
Jess was close with Bird, but they were also more... They were willing to acknowledge yeah. Bird making mistakes more than others. Right, Bird and to discuss it less in le- a less <clears throat> accusatory way when people yeah, um, criticized Bird. Definitely. Um, but it was a lot of, you know, you know, the kind of younger group of players that we had being the voices of reason yeah. and being like, you know, we have all these adults <laughs> in our server. That's what we're known for. We're, yeah. we're one of the quote unquote grown up orgs and we just have everybody in the lounge calling people names and just throwing tantrums basically. Right. And you know, but I don't even know what the point of this is. I don't know. They've gotten a lot better. <laughs> I will say to kind of wrap up this, this incredibly long segment um one everyone has gotten much better yes we we appreciate we've had people very openly acknowledge a lot of people who have said like i know that i myself did not yes act in a way that i am proud of right and i'm going to try to be better about things and they have been which i appreciate absolutely because i think one thing that's nice about our community is a lot of us have been in a long time um much like the internet, a lot of us, I think, are introverts who are happy, happiest socializing online. And so for a lot of people, it's kind of like a second family. Like a lot of us know each other's real names and we have each other's addresses. We've met in real life. We send each other stuff. Yeah. So like, it's sort of like a little family. And, you know, you're you're going to have disagreements and bickering and irritations with your family or members of your family but i think too the main thing is just you know they're your family the hope is that they have good intentions for you and for the greater good of the people around you and to sort of hopefully keep that in mind when you're approaching people yes not everybody's gonna get along not everybody's gonna like each other and that's fine people are gonna disagree about stuff but I would hope that we respect each other enough that, you know, if we disagree, that we can do it in a way that's not hurtful or inflammatory or everybody can peacefully coexist is what my happy, hippie insides want. I just want everybody to get along. Yeah. That was basically my second point (laughs) (laughs) was that, you know, if you're in the lounge, it's... You're going to be talking about the game. You're going to have opinions. I don't want anyone to think that they can't share their opinions. That's not the point. It's more so how you're sharing your opinions. Like that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we care about. As long as you're being respectful, 99% of opinions are more than welcome in the lounge. And if, they, if it's something that isn't, we're going to tell you about it. Right. And if you disagree with somebody else... That's probably fine, yeah. you know? Not everybody's going to agree about everything that we've seen. Again, I go back to the Food Channel, which is just a... I don't even know. Just a <sighs> wasteland of bickering over nothing that is of any kind of substantial substance. Right. But, you know, as long as you can disagree about your opinion of cookies without telling somebody else they're a dimwit idiot, you can disagree about your cookies and hopefully you can do that here too without being like hey brandon i don't like how you 
feel about this move in the game, and you're dumb. <laughs> I'm probably still going to tell Brandon he's dumb, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Don't call anybody dumb. Yeah. I'm a bad example. <laughs> I've just Sorry. ruined 45 minutes of podcast <laughs> with so. my sarcasm. <laughs> yes. Um. Don't act like me is the moral of the story. Act like Ryan. <laughs> Okay. The dichotomy of production. Don't be a Meg, be Orion. Um, I think that's it for Nexus Park. Yeah, I hope so. I have race cars um, to watch. Last thing, since you've all survived almost two hours with us now. Or no, gosh, it's been like three and a half hours with us. That's only this current recording <laughs> that I'm looking at. One final thing I wanted to say was... Um, I wanted to do this on podcast episodes where we give you a small amount of information about something in the future. Something, just a little, little, a little taste, a little tease of a thing that's, that's to come. Is this your way to scam people into listening to the entire podcast? Maybe. (laughs) Uh, And so we haven't really, I like mentioned this to you earlier today but we didn't really get a chance to talk about it so (laughs) i don't want to say anything like excessive and anything so i'll say something that i've definitely said in other places but this is like actually an official thing that i'm saying in a capacity where like it means something more so than just like saying it offhand in somebody's dm channel or somewhere else but what i want to say is that next year so 2024 will period have period a returning season <laughs> by application more details to follow prepare to get vetoed by me <laughs> oh no <laughs> don't even think of applying rdt or smm no smm can apply <laughs> just not rdt not rdt no okay poor rdt <laughs> RDT so will just apply as SMM is what's going to happen instead. He's definitely going to listen to this. It's yeah, RDT. Yeah. So, um, sorry. Yeah. I'm not sorry, RDT. Oh. <laughs> he will have some choice words. I'm sure. I'm sure I will hear about this at some point. <laughs> okay. Well, Meg, thank you for spending all this time with me. Happy to do so, my darling. And if you've listened to this whole thing, thank you for listening to this whole thing. Thank you for listening to any of the interview episodes you listened to from Nexus Park or prior or that you will listen to in the future. <laughs> um, that's it. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We love you, even when you're being little brats. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That wraps up the interview series on Nexus Park. Stay tuned for the remaining interviews from our eighth season, Invicta. If you'd like to try your hand at Alliance, our applications are always open. You can find more information by visiting AllianceSeasons.com. Our 14th season, Coronation, is now casting. There's no better time to apply than today. Afterward, head over to the HQ for off-season games, questions of the day, contests, and other fun stuff. Thank you for listening to the Alliance a Survivor Game podcast. So long, farewell, I'll be good, say goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she Without a trace 
Nothing's gone forever 